Welcome to GGD Gaiden Episode 7, a.k.a. the Funky Stuff Episode. I'm Hunter Pearson. I'm standing in as the MC on this episode for the impossible to replicate West Coast West Bates. Uh, Wes is still on the West Coast, but uh, just not in this hemisphere at the moment. Um, but uh, <laughs> we're replacing Wes on this episode from <laughs> Wes's closet, we have a very special guest, uh, Guideiner, Guideinite, Guide, Guide, Guideiner sounds like a, I don't know, like a night for a bunch of dudes out, like right at dinner or something. Like Guideiner, we'll call him Guideiner, Guideiners. I mean, if you're buying, sure. Okay, we we'll call ourselves Guideiners. That's that sounds weird enough, I guess. Uh, anyway, um, here to help us discuss uh, funky peripherals, we have the funky monk himself, Sly Funky Monk, uh, sometimes Salviesca in the house. <laughs> My mom calls me Sly Funky Monk, so whatever, whatever you're more comfortable with. Does she also call um, you sometimes Sal? <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes Sal from your soda, yeah. Sometimes Sal. Hi, everybody. Is, yeah. How's it going, dude? How are you doing? Uh, it's, going, it's going great. The closet's been kind to me. Uh, I found a shirt. I was able to find a shirt that fit me roughly, so uh, I feel like I'm in good company, and uh, I hope uh, Wes makes it home safe from wherever he's at on the west coast of whatever hemisphere. Nice. Yeah, and I just want to go ahead and say this, that we did not, like, come up with this idea. Like, Sal came yeah. prepared with the Wes yeah. closet background, which is so funny. <laughs> I want, I want I want to express that this is for another gag months ago, and I didn't clear the photo. I don't just have photos of all of your closets or photo or game rooms. Uh, most of you, but not all of them. Yeah, and for people who just watched this show, um, you know, because sound doesn't he doesn't actually occupy the closet um, all that much for us. We don't get that <clears throat> honor, but whenever he's on the main. Uh, podcast uh, for for all the time he was on there, he pretty much podcasted from the closet. Just given the time of day, he had to do it, and uh, he loves the acoustics in there. I mean, you know, you can hear how good sound sounds in the closet. So, yeah. you know. Um, anyway, so uh, for people not familiar with you, you want to uh, tell us anything about yourself? Plug anything? Tell us why the yeah, red medical I meat bags in San Diego have the best meat in them? because <laughs> uh, they're they're price fair i get them from the mexican markets to save money because the burritos are close to 12 bucks now and you can get a pound of pork al pastor already seasoned for four dollars i mean yeah. what's not to love yeah um yeah i'm from the uh, awful neutral podcast uh and for those that uh don't know it's a DD podcast just a bunch of comedians from san diego in the local area we've been doing it four years strong and this is our fifth year it's been nice. real fun uh being with those guys, I already love doing comedy, and being on a podcast with my friends is not a bad bad deal. And you guys are also my friends; everyone's my friends. Yeah. So it's just <laughs> it's friends. just awesome just hanging out. Yeah. So definitely go check that out. I mean, funny stuff for sure. If you like to laugh, not everybody does, but if you happen to be a laugher, <laughs> uh, go check that out. All right, so um, 
regular people around here also with us, uh, you know, taking some time out of his busy schedule of watching the clock on the wall for Persona 3 Reload to come out. It's Brad Victor Cry Russell. What's up, Brad? Oh, you know, same old, same old. Happy to be here. How's your day going? It's good. It's good. We're going to get into kind of later what are what's good are in a minute here, but I'm glad you're here. And uh, last, and I want to say least, but I'm not. Last but not um, least, we have my brother, himself. brother from the same mother, uh, yeah. Zach. How have you been, brother? How have you been, brother? Better. Hey, brother. I am doing better, brother. <laughs> through the uh, through the final little bits of the crazy season at work, uh, leaving that behind me. Got a lot of good games and good things coming up. So just just living good right now. Nice. All right. Well, we're going to move into, uh, in honor of our absent, uh, feel good, Nan F- Ned Flanders type uh, friend, Wes, who uh, hopefully I can fill his hosting shoes with at least some level of um, um, competence. Uh, nobody's going to be able to replace Wes. He's so good at this, but we're going to do our best. Uh, I'm going to go around and ask everybody what's good. He likes to ask us what's good every time he starts this thing. So, uh, Sal, since you're our uh, guest, uh, what's good, man? We talk about like what you've been playing. Anything else good going on in your life? Yeah, a lot of things have been going well. Uh, you guys know I work from home. Work's been going well on my eBay. I used to sell clothing to real people in person, and then COVID happened. And now <laughs> I do it online. I don't have to touch anyone. <laughs> That's I nice. To, with one tape measure, I can solve all my problems, all my social anxiety <laughs> issues. Just ship it. <laughs> Just pack it up and ship it. It's been great. And uh, I started doing a carpentry gig with one of my friends from the podcast oh, last sick. week. So I'm doing stonework, cutting. I was so scared. Man, they had a wet saw. Do you guys have- That's scary, I yeah. A wet saw. I, I, I was like, oh, I already know yeah. I'm going to die. I'm going to fall forward. Yeah. <laughs> you know, all the visualizations. I avoided using it for three days. And on the fourth day, he just threw me into the, to the ocean or to the deep end of the pool, so to speak. And I am happy to say I haven't made a single false cut everything's been to size i only cut myself once briefly on picking up a chopped up porcelain tile so it's par for the course and yeah things are going well there i got some comedy shows coming up february on the 6th and then the dates are yet to come and robocop released a new game plus oh nice all right (laughs) so they released a new game plus for free i can go back to delta city and uh deal some justice there's always trouble they're not charging you for new game plus Sorry, that's yeah, a call. That's, that's, a call, that's a call, call forward. Call forward, right there. All right, we'll, we'll get you feel the premonition. Yeah, I love. There. I love a good wet saw because it's like, hey, we're gonna take all the dangers of a regular circular saw, but like make it slippery. That's yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah, well. I, like, yeah. Anyway, yeah. so hopefully I have all my fingers next time I see you uh, as well. Yeah, yeah. At least the ones that are important. Um, all right. Awesome. Zach, what's good, brother? Uh, I got something real good coming up, which is a little bit of vacation time away from the kids, which hasn't happened for me since we went to PAX, but for me and Cheyenne together since like 2019, we have not had a moment without our kids. So we're we're leaving next week to fly to New Orleans and uh, get a little Mardi Gras on. Nice. Be drinking my horny gators, my hand grenades, my fish bowls full of hurricanes. Be eating a little muffaletta. I am so stoked to just fatten myself up for mm. Fat Tuesday. So you're gonna you be drinking horny drinks and eating muffalettas. 
Yes. With your family. Yeah, Sounds wonderful. Yeah, do you know, do you, Hunter, you know what the best thing about a muffaletta is? Uh, I, don't, I don't know where this is going. I'm just I'm what scared. Is, <laughs> the best thing about a muffaletta is that you got muffaletta. That's so, that's so stupid. All right, I re- I regret entertaining you with that one. All right, Brad. I know Pound World has been a giant dick lump to you. Other than that, what's good, man? Yeah, um, we're in the uh, trenches and up to our asses in gigantic RPG here. Yes, uh, we are. You know, Infinite Wealth uh, came out yesterday, so that's been. Uh, Trying to sneak as much of that as I can in, you know, more more of the same, you know, more good stuff out of uh, Yakuza. Mm. Uh, as we speak, uh, Persona 3 Reload is coming this Friday. You're six days away from, you know, launch on that. And then just by the time uh, that game is really starting to get ramped up, uh, Rebirth is coming at us. So like it I is said, good. Got, yeah. it's, it's a gigantic uh, RPG season, and I'm here for it, man. Yeah. Uh, we, I mean, I'm eating well this winter. It is big GARPG time, yeah. Um, and good thing too, like with those like 150 like hour games, you know, you won't need to start a new one for quite some time. Double call nope. forward. That was a double call Thanks forward. For- We're getting to that. <laughs> Thanks um, for the reminder on Five Phase Seven. Sorry for another good thing for me is that uh, Hunter held up on his first promise from our oh, first yeah. episode too. He finally beat Final Fantasy Seven Remake, so he is ready now. Fun. Oh, yeah phenomenal game i mean i don't know what the hell i was distracted by at the time i'm getting uh hopefully medicated for adhd like on monday and then i can finish games better we'll see anyway all right well thanks i guess what, uh, what's, hmm. what's good with you uh you know a couple of things um i i gotta tell you i really enjoyed i, I really want people to go and watch the um, main ggd podcast this time around it was really fun i had a i had a blast uh watching that when they had ryan stubbs on uh they they'd like kind of they actually kind of like replace the debate this time with like they're gonna like kind of do this new segment where they are kind of borrowing from ryan's if you ever seen his like how to uh got to rank them all Pokemon thing where they basically kind of like force rank Pokemon and like keep sliding them into like this giant list. Well, they've decided over there to do that with video games. So they're just going to keep bringing video games with some different premise. This one was like your first love game or like some like really cool mechanic. So it's not necessarily like we're going to list the best 10 games right now. It's like, we're going to take 10 games, whether or not we know that they're the best ever um, and we're going to just start ranking them now. And then as we introduce new games, we're going to have to kind of find a place to slide them in. And I think that's a really cool premise uh, already. Again, Ryan does that with Pokemon. You just check that out. Got to rank them all. Um, they kind of exist over on the draft punks now. But the GGD, they, they did the goodies and they did that. And it was really a good episode. So I enjoyed that. Go watch that. Um, I'm decked out my U of R stuff tonight. I actually took the kids to the U of R University of Richmond, where I went to grad school, I took them to a, a Richmond-Dayton basketball game, which is like two really good high-level teams, and it was a, a blast of a game, and Richmond ended up winning it. That was really good because Dayton was ranked like 17th in the country. It was kind of a big upset, so I really liked that. And um, I've gotten full-on 
100% sucked back into The Last of Us 2. The, the remaster came out. <laughs> I was like, I just want to see what it looks like, play for a minute, get a feel for the combat, and then 25 hours later, I'm like, oh, my God, this is the best. I've never seen this before. They kind of put, I think they put some like new little things in there. Like I'm running across things I've never seen in the game, and I finished that game a bunch. So it's, it's and it does. It does look very nice, and it's uh, still the same fun game. Anyway, that's just been good for me. Um, well, thanks for sharing, guys. Let's uh, let's move it over and jump into our first segment, uh, News Bites. News Bites is a segment where everybody picks a recent bit of video game news um, and shares it with the group. Uh, and then we kind of discuss it for a little bit. And so it's always kind of a grab bag of different kinds of stories we get in here. It could be very silly or very serious. We'll see what we got this time. So, Zach, why don't you kick it off for us? What you got? All right. Um, I got a article from Kotaku um, talking about how Square Enix is looking to make less games going forward. Um, kind of an interesting way for a very large game company to want to progress, but um, when you read the article, you see that they feel like they've kind of started to spread themselves a bit thin. They're putting a lot of their talent in different places and not focusing on some core games um, that are kind of their bread and butter, the things that we always return to. I mean, they have a fantastic lineup of games, but they are really starting to see that they're making too much and there's not enough quality. Um, I think some games that you like that you may not even have heard of that they've had come out in the past, like, just a couple of like months or last year. Um, I mean, you know about Final Fantasy 16, you know about Triangle Strategy, you know about Octopath Traveler, but uh, did you notice Diofield Chronicle, Star Ocean, The Divine Force, Paranormal Sight? Um, when we were at PAX, there was a booth for uh, Dragon Quest, The Adventure of Die. I mean, I know I have some Dragon Quest friends out there, but I don't feel like I've heard anybody talk about that game. Uh, they came out with Live Alive, Voice of Cards, Valkyrie Elysium. Um, they came out with uh, an update to uh, Power Wash Simulator. Like They've just been kind of throwing these games out there, trying to see what's hitting. Um, and there's a, there a really interesting quote from the CEO in this article um, to, to just to talk about, like, he is kind of almost looking like he was taking a step back and saying, oh, maybe we don't need to be focusing on so much because if we see all these indie games that are only focusing on certain things coming out and being like rockstar game, like they're being like amazing games, maybe we're just spread too thin. Um, I thought this was an article because Square Enix, uh, specifically Square Soft, when back in the day, um, I have a lot of allegiance to them, I feel like. I try to support them as much as I can because I've always loved the games they've made whether it be Dragon Quest, Final Fantasy. Um, generally, they've had a good repertoire of games. And I'm kind of excited to see that they're looking at kind of narrowing down their repertoire and bringing it more concisely to what the gamers want, which can result in a, a lot of really good games coming out and maybe not an oversaturation in the market for them. So what does that mean, though? Like, are we going to stop getting some of the hidden gems like The Quiet Man and Balan yeah. Wonderworld? <laughs> I, I mean, you may, you may. Those may end up not getting um, brought on by Square Enix. There, or they um, may, maybe they'll push them out and make a longer timeline for these games and not 
like try to th- just push out as much as possible. Um, I don't know. Like, there's a lot of games that they're making right now we don't need. Like, you just yeah, I was obviously this one that's just coming out. Foam Stars is yeah, that looks bad. Oh, oh, it yeah. looks awful. <laughs> yeah, like, what, what is that game? It's Splatoon. It's Splatoon. It's a sp- yeah, it's, it's basically yeah. Splatoon. It's Splatoon. It's, there's nothing else to it. Squaresoft's been pretty disappointing lately. You know, I've been a fan of Squaresoft. Sorry, Square Enix since they were Square and Enix. Yeah. (laughs) Like like, with their embrace of like NFTs and like AI, like stuff that's going on is like a major disappointment. Um, You mentioned it earlier, like Dragon Quest. I'm I'm like a giant Dragon Quest guy. And Infinity Stretch came out and it was so cheap and like so bad i had this i had to return it day one yeah oh wow no, I, I, I couldn't even get through like two hours and i was like this is bad game definitely all for yeah. square enix like you know focusing in on specific things yeah. i read the article and it seemed like in a way the they case. were they opened in a well it sounded like in a way it was like we need to like also be marketing to not just playstation 5 games mm-hmm. and you know so i don't know that always makes me nervous that they're just like we need to you know dive more into the mobile and market and stuff which probably is a good business decision but uh bad for us you know I mean, real gamers <laughs> i mean i was kind of excited thinking about mobile games like one of the boosts that they did have at the square enix at pax was the one for the final fantasy 7 uh yeah. crisis or what not crisis core it's the um I remember. So like you played After it on crisis, a thank you. iPad or something. You played it on a tablet, on an iPad, and I have it downloaded. And you know how many times I've played it? Mm, Three, yeah. maybe. It's just, uh, yeah, they just seem like they're, I don't know, this seems like they're grasping a little bit. They're, yeah. Um, like you said, they're spread themselves out too thin. They're trying to cover too many bases. They need to hone in on what they do well. I, Did that article I, say that they're going to go and by core games does it mean the existing franchises and we're not going to see a lot of experimentation because even like <laughs> for spoken maybe didn't sell like crazy but there was a group of people oh. that maybe liked it right there was a good like, there was a yeah. decent amount of people oh, that, that, that liked yeah. it yeah they, they probably expected their all their remakes and remasters to make way more too i know the live alive people live alive uh however you pronounce it Whoever played it liked it because they mm-hmm. liked it back in the day. I think West played that one. It, it, like it didn't make mm-hmm. a lot of sales, you know? Yeah. I, I, I played it just too. It pretty, it's pretty good. Just because my kids have been really into Gordon Ramsay for some reason recently, <laughs> I feel like they're basically doing the kitchen nightmares oh, thing to themselves. He, he has they're, that kid show. Now he's doing he, right. I, okay, is that what it is? They keep talking about it, but yeah, yeah. yeah, they're doing. They're trying to do. It seems like they're trying to do the Gordon Ramsay thing. They have a menu that's just too big. Let's narrow it down and focus on what we're good at. Yeah. And I mean, so. I think it it, it does show because when you get games like the Final Fantasy VII remake, which they took the time to get that right, mm-hmm. and if they can narrow down to focus on those games that are their kind of bread and butter. We're gonna get continue to get great ones yeah. from them, and maybe maybe that'll help them. I don't know. Maybe it'll end up with they'll get more back into the indies and stuff. But I mean, they are they kind of still go out for some of the indies. 
it'll it'll be cool to see what what this ends up doing what how yeah. we end up getting we're better all, games in the future or we're all yeah. better we're all better off if square enix is making good games for sure so all right well thank you for that was a good kind of you know light article to bring to start with let's um let's move over to sal so what did you sal's bringing articles here in, in place of wes we got the sal the first sal news bite ever Hot off the presses, it's Sal News Bite. Get your news here. So I uh, was genuinely stoked to play RoboCop uh, New Game Plus when it announced it was announced uh, last week. You know, it was a free update. We're used to getting New Game Plus as a free update if it doesn't come with a game. I don't know if it's a developer saw. Maybe they get a bump in the news cycle. People start buying their games over again. You know, six months after release. Hey, New Game Plus for free you know and then people get it get it on sale or whatever and i think we just had this like expected social contract with game developers where we're just like it's natural it's gonna it's gonna come eventually right every game's gonna have a new game plus and a lot of the games especially with rpg elements we expect that but on the 19th like a dragon infinite wealth um announced that what is it like within two weeks of release that the new game plus was locked between a 15 or a 40 dollar paywall comes with the other stuff you know, every game releases with like an extra, you know, special edition pre-order bonus or there's a deluxe. We're used to that. You know, the other things like a dungeon, I think maybe some new skins. But the new game plus behind a paywall to me feels like kind of like a bizarre choice, you know, like, but they also know they have us by the bees, mm. you know, and and a lot of people are going to say, F it, you know, let me kick in another 15 bucks and get it when I'm done with the game. But I really feel that this mode should stay free. <laughs> I, I'm not the developer. I don't know how much it costs. I know it's a pain accounting for, you know, the past stats and past things and what to carry over. It's not like you're creating an entirely new game, but there are things to consider. But I think we should maintain the social commentary or the social uh, agreement of keeping New Game Plus free. I don't, <laughs> I don't know how you guys feel, but to me, I'm not even getting the game. I'm still like three games behind. Yeah, like, <laughs> but I'm excited I'm for it, out. but yeah, it's a weird <laughs> choice for sure. I mean, because I don't, I don't remember ever. Come on. Yeah, I don't yeah. remember hearing of that ever getting like put into like some kind of bonus or like paywall before, and. Yeah it's not really giving you anything new. And the other thing that they know, and this is what's kind of crummy about it to me is that Yakuza games, new game plus, like there are certain achievements and other things that like you can't actually go back and complete without it. So you're, you're kind of also locking out like platinum being things like trophies. Like I assume that they probably did that. Like they've done in previous games and it's like, Oh man, so you're saying that I get to replay the game I already bought, but I have to like pay you to do that again? Like <laughs> that's just a very weird choice. Yeah. I don't I feel like that's the kind of thing that they'll maybe do once and then not again, or they might walk this back when people are like, What the hell? I mean, because you know, this game is big in many different regions of the world, and yep. a lot of people are gonna go, I'm not gonna pay you fifteen dollars to replay this game. I just will not. Like, I, don't, I, can't, I can't imagine. Maybe there's some other things that they b- bundle in there that people will pay for, but I don't think anybody's paying for New Game Plus by itself. Yeah, there are a few other things, which is, I think, how they're sneaking it in there. Yeah. And they can lie to themselves and say, like, oh, mm-hmm. it's not like we, you know, held a gun up to their head. There's these other benefits, too. 
but it's just obviously a way to get another 15 bucks off people that already pre-ordered the game. It wasn't given, it wasn't announced, you know, when pre-orders dropped, I just, right? They took, they took everyone's money for a good while before announcing it within two weeks of release. I, I hate, yeah, I hate this whole testing the waters to see like what they can, you know, like weasel out of people, you know, it's like, yeah. it's like what's it going to eventually lead to? Like, you know, pay an extra three dollars to get functionality on the right trigger button, the controller. Like, otherwise, right trigger doesn't work. That's three dollars. <laughs> like, I don't even know. Like, where do you yeah. where do you draw the line? Like, New Game Plus is just like, I mean, either put it in the game or don't. That's fine. But if you're going to put it in the game, I just don't see people being okay with shelling out extra money just to be replaying something. Yeah. It probably I, pushed some people to wait for a sale. Sorry, okay, Zach. Yeah. You're good. Um, I kind of being slightly pessimistic here, I guess, but also just trying to look at this objectively from a business standpoint, might call this the Game Pass effect because the Yakuza games are free on Game Pass. So they're asking, they want to try and, and they may not be getting a lot from Microsoft for the games being on Game Pass. So they're like, how can we milk right. a little bit extra? This one is not, though. Is this not? I thought it. Thought they were all dropping Infinite, on Game Pass. Infinite Wealth is not on Game yeah, Pass. Yeah, I don't think I, I the, the 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 other one is the um the, whatever the man who like a dragon like a dragon or not Infinite dragon. Wealth the man who what losses something or other was the, the man who erased his face or erased, erased his name? Yeah, man who erased his name. Um, the quiet man who erased his face <laughs> and then his name. <laughs> They do. They got some names the for those games. Dragon Butterfly Tattoo. It was a long game name. Very long title. <laughs> uh, it had the Kingdom Hearts quality to it. Uh, you know, one of the funny things about this kind of thing, and I think we'll move on afterwards, is that like we've only done seven episodes. This is our seventh episode of GGD Gaiden, and a lot of these news stories like that we've brought forth, I think we could already make a top ten list of just bizarre baffling like what the fuck is this corporate greed moments right like mm -hmm. it's like between this and like unity and it's like it feels like every month we got just like a what the hell is this you right. know like are you they really do just push the boundaries and and with unity they got i mean they had some real backlash i mean they lost a lot of money they had people fired they lost executives like our world so don't <laughs> if you're listening What's to this podcast on unity Originally, Power was on Unity originally, and they changed to um, wow. Unreal 5. Part of that, they say it was because it uh, wasn't working very well in Unity, but I have to feel that it, that had to be part of it. Can you too. do that? I don't even want to get in that discussion because none of us know the answer, but I didn't think you could just straight up change engines that easily that late into oh, development. Oh, it's a lot of work. Right. A lot of work. Yeah. Right. Some, there's some models that I'm sure are maybe easier than other things to transfer over, but animations probably have to be redone. Mm -hmm. uh, it seems what like a lot of work. The You're benefit of Unreal is its ease of use, and the, this is in an experienced team at Pal World, apparently. Um, <laughs> yeah. Pal, Hiring that, a guy in the grocery store they go to yeah. to design all the guns in the game. Yeah, so the engine lends itself well <laughs> yeah. to one guy doing a lot of work. Works great, doesn't it, Brad? Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, another <laughs> Pal World chat. I couldn't, I couldn't get past the title screen for a while there. Are, have you played or, or tried to play less than two hours can you get a refund on it or has it already been more than two hours i, I was trying it on game pass oh so, so it's at least funny, free. 
funny what worked for me is I watched all these YouTube videos about all these workarounds. Apparently, a lot of people are having the same issue with it specifically specifically through Game Pass. What I ended up doing is they said uninstall and run it on xCloud. And that, and it ran just fine. I mean, it did, it That's wasn't so great. Weird. It wasn't perfect, but it ran more than four minutes without crashing and burning. Mm. You know, and hey. then uh, and then I, you know, you once you get like a save game, you can install the game again and then like run it from there, and it seems to be fine. But yeah, yeah. it's a lot of fucking monkeying around for a video game. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, we digress. We'll move away from. Power world discussion, and we will go to Brad. Brad, what is, what's your uh, news bite for this for this episode? Yeah. So uh, this time around, have you guys seen this Tetris kid? I watched yeah. the I watched the whole thing before. You watched we, the run, right? I okay, watched yeah, it. Yeah, cool. yeah, me too. So this one comes from the New York Times. A lot of outlets are running it, but I chose the New York Times article uh, titled "Boy Thirteen is believed to be the first to beat." Tetris. So uh, just last month, December 21st, a 13-year-old kid uh, named Willis Gibson, who's from Stillwater, Oklahoma, he goes by the handle Blue Scooty, uh, became the first human being to have ever beaten NES Tetris, which is to, by beaten, they say it's to put it in, you know, an unplayable state, essentially. It's a kill screen. Uh, to, Right to rack up so many lines that you know you uh, you've uh, pressed the game to the point where it fails, a kill screen, like he said. Um, This is previously like a feat, uh, you know, thought impossible by a human being. Um, Yeah, crazy. They have have, like tool assists that like can do it, and they've got had uh, you know AIs that are able to do it. But uh, uh, this kid managed to reach level one fifty seven, reaching the point where the coding is just unable to continue to serve lines. Yeah, it seriously um, runs out of RAM. Like it's just is like. <laughs> yeah, it so, have you seen the way these guys do this? Like they oh, roll, like roll. Yeah, 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 it's really right, cool. Right. So I I grabbed my NES oh, controller nice. here. That's so sweet. what they do is they kind of just like they they hold either left or right, and they can get like four button presses by like tapping the back, like mm-hmm. instead of instead of trying to you know kind of uh, rapidly press left or right like this, like you reach like a limit. Where there's just no way you can slide a piece within the time, you know, they start falling so fast. So it's like, it's really incredible if you watch. I mean, I've been kind of, uh, I've had my finger on the pulse of like the Tetris scene for a while. I'm into Tetris, um, you know, so I've been watching it a while. But if uh, if you haven't, it's really like remarkable to watch. It's a great Uh, community. They all like, yeah, it is. I mean, the it's thriving. It's crazy when you think about a game that's. Like almost as old as we are, and I mean, we being you know, <laughs> Brad and I, I think, <laughs> um, I think it was like '84 or so when that game came out, and this yeah, is specifically like PCs and stuff. But Game is... Boy Tetris and NES Tetris was '89. Because what they play on is the NES. Like the this is where yeah, kind yeah. of like most of the competitions come from. And right. um, I thought the I watched a whole documentary on this before, even before this kid broke it, and they knew about this kill screen like ahead of time because an AI had uncovered it. And like some guy even like broke apart all the code and discovered it's not just getting to like a specific score. It's like, once you get to a specific level in it, you actually have to do just 
uh, eliminate formation of the line. It has to be a certain formation of one line. So you have to you have to eliminate one line of Tetris. And for these guys who are like insane professionals at it, that's actually a real challenge for them because they're usually eliminating yeah. like their brains are coded to eliminate like three, four lines at a time, like to get high right. scores. So yeah. to like break themselves of that and be like, no, I gotta while these things are coming down like and like you can't even the whole roll thing is because you can't even hold the button and have it auto go fast enough to like account for that's why they have to roll tap <coughs> so this kid who looks like he's seven yeah uh he's he started two years ago when he was 11 his mom apparently is his... a retron like clone console and an old old crt for him like two years ago Dude. he's only been doing it two years the calluses <laughs> on that kid's hands are probably like that of like a coal <laughs> miners you know like but yeah, so he knew what he had to get, and he yeah. The, I mean, it's the craziest scene because from the invention of Tetris, especially like on the Nintendo, from the like the time that that released, basically thirty years ago until just recently, every single human being that started a game of Tetris, like right. lost, like failed eventually, and he didn't. Mm -hmm. He's the first one who never failed, who didn't fail at Tetris. Mind blowing stuff. Uh Another cool. thing to add that I thought was remarkable, I probably saw the same documentary you did, okay. is uh, the game after a while, because of memory issues, it starts giving mm. different color palettes. That's so it'll be gray. like charcoal gray with that, black. Yeah, it's like black pieces. Glare on the television. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the so the next level for the next like world record for that is the kill screens you're talking about they have them mapped out so they'd have to go maybe in two levels and go for a kill screen they're not yeah. one after another yeah. there's there are ways that like you can like avoid yeah. it and like you said if you don't get the kill screen you don't get the, the prize all this stuff like there have been the two there have been two i think major moments in the competitive tetris scene like in the last like probably decade and like one of them like the high score in tetris like 15 years ago was like 29, you know, thousand or something. I don't know what, I don't know, 29 million. I forget what the scores are, but it was like a pretty like minuscule. No, it's the level, the number of levels they got to like, like the highest right. level that somebody got into like 15 years ago was like 29. Right. Yeah. And it's because they got to a certain speed and you couldn't move the blocks fast enough right. so it falls too the, fast for you to get all the way to left or right so the dude who like basically discovered this roll tapping method completely reinvigorated the tetris competitive yep. scene and this is the same kind of thing like there's there are so many insanely good tetris players out there right now all basically like cheering each other on competing it's just you just love to see it in gaming like it's so yeah. cool so Going on with that and like the community of it, kind of, um, there are actually two other people now who have beaten it since this kid did. Is that right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> They're like, but, I got to do uh, it. I want to talk about one of them whose uh, name is Fractal, who is, he was the second person to beat it. He beat it like a week after this kid did. Mm -hmm. um, and he, I feel like a lot of times people are like, when he was like, oh, I don't care about, like, if I came second, like, that's not as good. But he did not care. Every single person in the community cheered on the kid, 13-year-old kid, when he did it. Yeah. Every single person in the community cheered him on when he did it. Yeah. And one of the things that this guy has done, because I actually uh, looked into him a little bit and this, um, saw a video on him, he has been one of the largest proponents for teaching others yeah. how to do this and how to do the rolling technique, how to get into the speed running of it, how to get into going for this um, kill screen on it. And 
they are amazing, like people just in how they treat yeah, each the other and how they're really like there's there's a, a, a part where um fractal has won like the world championship in tetris a couple times now and there was one time when he won it that he got up and was just like thanks to all the parents for dealing with us sitting around tapping away annoyingly for hours on end like they they're just some of the <laughs> kindest people yeah that that play games and yeah. yeah this is this is awesome they teach each other tetris but they they really do and this sounds corny but they teach they should be teaching everybody how to be like positive video game community like because there's right. so many that aren't and it just it just sucks and that but they are the perfect example of like how a gaming community should come together and like enjoy a game and be competitive but also just be good to one yeah. another so all right. On, that the, was, uh, on sorry. the opposite side of that, did you uh, did you guys happen to see that follow up story about that smug fucking Sky News reporter who like basically took an oh, opportunity to like slam this kid on a show saying like beating Tetris is not a life goal? Like, did you see that lady? Oh, like, yeah. she, uh, I right. saw that when this on, first like, came out. Yeah, like a particularly shitty thing to do, especially since like the boy's dad passed away like a week prior to this run. He dedicated you know, like, the, the dedicated finishing of it to his dad. To, like, yeah. His memory of his yeah. dad. And, like, Listen, the, the world, uh, the world is full of fun burglars and I don't pay attention to the fun burglars. Let the, you can, yeah. that fun burglar can just basically kiss my ass and all of the Tetris players. You guys keep doing your <laughs> thing. You know what? Like that's as, that's as fun and useful and entertaining as anything else out there to watch. You know, like they wouldn't say that Terrible. stuff about like, you know, people who make movies and other things that entertain them. If that entertains people and people like to go to their streams and watch them play Tetris and play, what amazes me too is they play Tetris and they're like following chat. Like, how in the hell is somebody just like, <laughs> like, oh, like, oh, like I, their brains are wired just insanely well. Um, oh, cool. Anyway, all right. Well, since we have all of those uh, good vibes, I'm going to ruin all of it um, with my story. I kind of changed mine last minute because there was a very recent thing that happened in gaming and I, I felt like it deserved to be discussed. Um, so my article uh, comes from GameSpot and written by Darren Bunthoys. I don't know how to pronounce his name. There's a lot of stories on this, but um, this particular one comes from GameSpot and it's uh, called Microsoft is cutting 1900 jobs from its video game division. Uh, again, this is going to be not news to a lot of people, but I just feel like since I have a certain kind of professional stake in this kind of thing and a, and a degree in understanding this kind of thing, um, this sucks, man. I'm so tired of seeing this crap, especially in video games. I mean, Microsoft isn't even... This is just them joining a, a recent trend of the layoffs you know you've got thq nordic uh people can fly riot embracer like there's just the 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 pool of recently unemployed gaming developers community managers like other gaming roles it's it's utterly heartbreaking and it is a hundred percent avoidable and not necessary you know and yes they do these mergers and like with those tends to come like the corporate overlap, which is a fucking bullshit term, okay? So like if you're gonna merge, then then just deal with the overlap. 
the overlap shouldn't be like, well, we just got to get rid of people because of overlap. You know, like you wanted to bring people into it, then don't do that. And um, I think one of the things that I hope opened some people's eyes to it, and I'm about to utterly shit on Phil Spencer here, but um, Phil Spencer is not your friend. He's not a gaming buddy. He's not like a gaming dude. He's a piece of shit. And um, he's part of this whole thing. He's part of this whole thing. His job is basically to try and like make this seem palatable in some way, right? So I don't know if any of y'all read his statement on this, but like I felt physically ill reading his statement. Like he, <laughs> I mean, he strung together the biggest collection of buzzwords into like <laughs> the the biggest fuck you sandwich of sentences I've I think I've ever seen. Like it like it said, and I wrote this down stuff like. Activision Blizzard is committed to aligning on a strategy and an execution plan with a sustainable call structure that will support the whole of our growing business. Like, <laughs> do any of those words mean, does any of those words mean anything? The only word that meant anything to me and that entire thing was the word growing, because that is exactly what just happened to Microsoft in yeah. terms of their um, valuation. They finished the day that they laid off all those people with a $3 trillion valuation. Some extremely rich people just got extremely richier, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and that's the whole point for them. Yeah. It's the whole point. And it just, I, I hate it. Just like, why does it, like, I would, my kids who love video games, like, I would never encourage them to go into that, like, particular industry just because it's so filled with talented people who are so passionate who just get treated like complete garbage and i'm like you know maybe just have that be a hobby and i'm not to discourage people from getting into it because we love everything that they do and it's a it's a passion of ours and we appreciate it but i can't handle it's not like it has to be this way like i remember um when Nintendo um, was struggling and uh, they had the Wii U was failing and the 3DS was sliding pretty massively. And there were questions about whether or not Nintendo was going to lay people off. And uh, Satoru Iwata at the time basically came out and said, like, we're not laying people off. Like if we reduce the number of employees just to like make some money, like employee morale is going to plummet. And then how are we going to make any good games if even the people who are still working here are constantly scared and fear of losing their jobs? And that's the right mentality. And Nintendo bounced back in a massive way and has made took a pay cut, right? Yeah, took a pay cut. Like that that is the decent right way to handle these situations. So you can't listen to guys like Phil Spencer like this was the only option. Like no, no. No. No, no it wasn't. Like, this isn't progress. This is shitty. This is how unions come around. Like, and I kind of hope that they do. Like, I feel like Me video too. games is very yeah. much on the precipice of being heavily unionized in a way that needs to happen. Because these people yeah. who work so hard get so taken advantage of and treated like crap and are in constant fear of losing their jobs for no reason that, I mean, that's, I hope they do. I hope they do, and I hope that they get what they deserve. 
because this is just sucks. I feel, I mean, I was like, I haven't been to Twitter in forever, but I actually went out to Twitter just to see how some people were doing see if people, maybe I like either knew like friend friends and things like that were affected. And there were some out there. And it's like, I read one story about a kid who like was finishing, um, being educated, like finishing school for game development. And he was like, I'm about to like join a market with like 7,000 people in the same line of work I'm in who have way more experience. Like how am I ever going to get a job in this market with all these people also vying for positions? Like it's anyway, I'm, I'm still on Twitter and I see like a lot of these posts. I'm not on it often, yeah. but I still read some of these posts and it seems more and more that the independent studios are where do you want yeah. to be. Do it. Uh, yeah. Embracer was one of the top fires in the recent season. And it was right at, after they absorbed and bought a bunch of companies left yeah. and right. They were buying a ton of companies and then firing like 50% of staff, 3d realms. I follow a lot of first person shooters and there's this one game I was following they got fired. They got let go. But the guy, because he was independent, uh, still owned the rights to his game. So he could still continue working on it. He's just not doing it through 3D Realms. He's getting money elsewhere. But it, it's it's terrible. And in the first month, we're at half of last year's fires, I believe. So that's how many people the game industry has lost. I saw a stat fairly recently. Sorry, Zach. I didn't, I didn't mean to. No, go. no, you're good. Um, it's just... I hate it, but that's this is such a common American business practice that it just feels like this is new. It, it it's not even just game industry. This is just everything at this point. Yeah. Merger with- happens, you get something big or some big company, and then they're immediately like, "All right, lay off a bunch of people. We don't need all of y'all." There are a lot of redundant um, jobs. You said shifting them is insane to me. Yeah. And I think, Connor, you talked about this the other day, and I was like, hadn't even thought about it, but it's so true. They had been hiring and training people knowing that this was going to happen. Absolutely. They've been planning this for, I would say, probably at least at the minimum half a year. So they've still been hiring people. They've still been, you know, going through all, like, because the thing is, like, they change a single thing in their hiring practices or anything, like, people will catch wind of it. And so, like, they feel like they have to basically, like, they, they let go of people that they just hired. You know, people who relocated. I read a story about a person who had just relocated for the job, moved their entire family just to be let go. Right. Like, so, and those people are still in waiting periods for benefits. They're still in waiting periods for, you know, like any kind of like severance or anything. It's the, the, those people just are screwed. And it's not just them too, because I think this is an important part of it. Because I read, I had entire chapters of organizational psychology books about the effects of layoffs on both the people who were laid off, but even more importantly for somebody running a company, the people who stayed, the people who are still there, the amount of survival guilt and depression that comes with people watching friends, coworkers, people they care about just get marched out the door, like to like basically almost never interact with again, you know, um, on, on that kind of meaningful level, like, so they walk in one morning and then by the end of the day, like their life is completely turned upside down. And then they have to go back and like try and like produce results for a company that they like are feeling very anymore. estranged from. Like it's 
there, there's yeah. a whole lot that just goes into anybody. So I don't want to drag it. We could probably talk about this for hours. Um, it's very messed up. I know I had some harsh words to say about Phil Spencer. It doesn't have anything to do with my feelings towards X, Xbox no, 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 and Xbox no, no. games. I just think that that entire like, oh, I got my leather jacket and like my perfectly tailored jeans. And like I put stuff on my shelf behind me. Like it's all just to like make you feel like he's one of us. And he's not. He's not one of you. He's not. Oh. Awana was one of you. That dude was one of you, one of us. And he was a gamer and he cared about the people who were making the games. Phil Spencer does not care about those people. And he showed it. And I think he really showed his true colors. And that statement was disgusting. It made me so sick to read that buzzword Phil crap statement about like, no, we, we fired people so we could move forward. It's like that. What? Whatever. Okay. Yeah. I mean, hashtag unionized gaming. <laughs> Let's all take a breath. Let's all take a breath. Hmm. A breath of beer. <laughs> All right. Maybe I should. I'm, I'm probably glad I didn't lead in with that, but I'm like, it would have been fun to leave on a more positive note going into something that's awesome. Uh, we are yes. going to move on from news bites and we are going to move into. The Wayne's world. Like we're going to do the alternate <laughs> ending now. Uh, we're going to move into the Gaiden Top 10. I've got to do my own hosting and noise now. Normally I do that behind Wes, but um, I'm really excited about this one. Uh, we are going to be breaking down the Top 10 list of wacky peripherals. I don't know that we ever really officially kind of decided on what exactly to call that, you know, but, you know... Um, non-conventional controller like gaming peripherals uh so would you say uh, the top freaky peripherals that kind of freaky funky 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 peripherals they're all funky at first they are before they become the norm some some became the standard and some were just funky yeah funky fun funky fun peripherals like um so um we are no longer surprised by this but the community came through like always, in a big way. I mean, this is such a... These lists just are always fun, and the stuff that gets included on them, um, it, it just it just definitely goes way beyond what we would be capable of picking if we were to try and just do this on our own. So thank you to everybody who nominated games, who came and voted on them, or games uh, peripherals, and, um, and voted for them, and put this list together, because it is such a mixed bag smorgasbord of fun different kinds of things um and you know for anybody who's listening to this you know who maybe like just is listening to the top 10 um this is an open community if you're like you know a nice gaming uh person out there who wants to you know take part in putting together these top 10s like list uh your nominees like have discussions like gush about your favorites and and discuss them with other like-minded gaming individuals like come to the ggd the great game debate uh discord we'll make sure we put the information you know in the description you have access to that and come you know help us make these lists like the more people who put time into this like the better the lists are always and uh you know so if you're interested by all means come by so without further ado let's move into the top 10 and uh at number 10 we have 
Nintendo Labo, <laughs> which is just a great way to start this list. Uh, Brad definitely has some experience with the Labo. Um, so why don't you uh, kind of get us started here, Brad? Tell us about Nintendo Labo. <laughs> there it is. There it is. <laughs> I absolutely love Nintendo Labo. Um, I don't know if I would love it as much if uh, I didn't have a child, <laughs> but yep. Got you, buddy. Reeling you in. <laughs> anyway, um, for those who don't know, uh, Nintendo Labo is a Toys to Life concept developed by Nintendo. Uh, these kits started coming out in April of 2018. Um, so there are these uh, these kits where they comes with just sheets of cardboard and some other things, rubber bands and strings and grommets and all kinds of goodies inside this box. And it's you 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 pop everything out of the cardboard and you start to fold and bend these things into these uh, these these toys. Uh, like like Hunter just showed the fishing rod there. We've got the uh, the little uh, you know this actually functions on Mario Kart. This little like it does it does we played it yeah yeah, yeah it's the, like uh, the motorcycle handlebar thing yeah the, the switch goes right into here uh, so you can like kind of play your game like right along. Nintendo uh, Labo Road Rage win. Yeah. So uh, these things are incredibly fun. Uh, they come with uh, it, like a uh, they they come with a uh, Nintendo Switch cart that's got everything you need on the inside. Uh, instructions on how to build them. Uh, it includes uh, you know mini games and things to play along. Uh, there were let's see two kits at the outset: the variety kit and the robot kit. Uh, they expanded to a total of four, including the vehicle kit and the VR kit, which I showed you just a second ago. This guy um, got some really cool stuff in that kit, like this big gun that you can that you can shoot, and you know you you see everything kind of in VR through the goggles. <clears throat> Tons of fun, uh, like I said, especially if you if you have kids, they just light up, and it's like really easy for them to help and participate, and you know. Um, the, uh, like I said, the steering wheel works in Mario Kart 8. Uh, the VR headset had compatibility with Breath of the Wild, Mario Odyssey, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, Captain Toad Treasure Tracker. So they did, like, you know, try to kind of incorporate these things into their main lines here. You know, it's just kind of super neat, super fun, especially if you have kids. You know, I mm. promise you they'll have a blast constructing so and fun. playing with their creations. Great, Gracie, like, uh, Oh, she, look like, at that. <laughs> she decorated this thing. Like, so for I, I, audio listeners, Brad's got the uh, like the little like vibrating bug thing that came yeah. with it that she's just basically designed the outside of. This is the one she made when she was like four years old. That's so, so fun, dude. I I yeah. love that. Real like uh, deep memories on this one, man. Those were the days. You know, she was yeah. little and full of wonder and these kits like really excited her, so yeah, thanks that's... for uh, letting me talk about it. Do do you any yeah. you guys have experience with before things? before we go any further? I do realize that I just said road rage when I meant road rash. I didn't that's, want to correct you. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm gonna I'm gonna self correct. Road rage is just a uh, non fun thing that humans do on actual roads. Road rash is the classic motorcycle punch people off of their motorcycles. Right, most people know what that is. Not road rage. And, Anyway, a little bit of a brain uh, misfire there, but 
I mean, I love this. I mean, I'll just go ahead and throw my two cents in. Like, I was very skeptical of the Labo when I first saw it. I mean, it's like, people were like, they're like, oh my God, they're going to sell us. Like, how much does it cost to buy the cardboard box thing? $80. $80 <laughs> cardboard. Right? You're like, you're like, what is But like, it has, it, I think what I didn't give it credit for was it has like a real, like kind of um, Lego, uh, side to it where a lot of the sure. fun is i mean playing it is fun for sure but there's a lot of fun in just building this stuff and following the instructions 100%. right yep. and um i don't think that they marketed it that well on the building side of it as much as like oh these games are gonna be cool once you build it. it's like no the building was a lot of the fun for us and lego kind of has that too and you for sure would be paying 80 dollars for this amount of lego stuff so you know oh, and yeah. that's we probably that, pay like 300 dollars and, that, and that's just <laughs> and that's just like you know plastic i mean it's not really any, like more expensive than than cardboard but the thing is it was so well designed that yeah. like the remarkable card, right right like the cardboard like it's kind of the perfect medium for it because right. you know you could put this stuff together. I mean, look at this thing. I mean, the thing I have sitting over here has been like used to death. This fishing pole, it's in perfect condition. This cardboard yeah. is fantastic, and it still like spins and and works right. and functions. And we we right. you know we loved it. We love putting it together. The, the fact that it's cardboard sets you up for like, oh, this isn't going to be great. Right. You know, like it yeah. even like it it's already like. Like it's like the perfect material to choose because it's like of course you're gonna roll your eyes at this thing like what do you mean cardboard and then it works so damn well and like you get to build these things from the inside out so you know exactly how they work you know like as you're building these things it's like oh that's clever you know like yeah. really like i so like i really the brain power to design these things is unbelievable in my mind that's what it's... i was thinking the whole time like somebody sat here and designed this fucking thing have you watched that um, Kyle Bossman bit when he talks about Mario Wonder and how, like, basically the the philosophy of Wonder, like, kind of, like, pushes Nintendo forward and all of that they do? And that's what this is to me. The Labo is, like, it, it's something that you probably just wouldn't get out of any other company. There's not many other companies that are, like, taking a nope. chance on that kind of thing. that are like, this is fun. We're going to put the... Uh, our little Joy-Con things to use, you know, before they started drifting on everybody, and um, <laughs> and and like just have something weird and fun, and like you, you probably is sitting in most people's closets, but you don't look back on it and just be like, that was a waste of money. It's like putting it together was was worth every penny of that, and like you said, especially with kids, they had such a blast. Yeah. Do you guys have a Do you have a favorite, Brad? Like, what's your what's your favorite Ooh. one? Dude, that VR kit gun game is a ton of fun. Uh, <laughs> All right. I love the uh, I love the uh, like the uh, foot pedal and uh, racing steering wheel combination, oh. especially on like Mario Kart. It's a ton of fun on that. It's so uh, crazy that that works. It's like you're gonna stomp on cardboard, but it works. <laughs> mm -hmm. Do you stick like a controller half at each piece? Yeah, so yeah. with the um, <clears throat> with the foot pedal, it's just like it's on a, like a string, and I think the uh, here, I think oh, this one it. has it. The other one does. Um, so like the uh, you know the Joy Cons have these cameras yeah. on this side, so it can kind of it can gauge like you know kind of I think how far away like the object is. That's basically your accelerometer. And then, you know, on the steering wheel, you've got one. You know, just like a smartphone would have an accelerometer. You know, left and right tilt. It's that. It's that simple. Like, and just 
All it is it's is just so a piece cool. of cardboard for you to step on and then turn. You know, that that's really all it is. It's so basic. I'm, I it might be the Alabamian in me, but I really like the fishing pole. I oh, just yeah. Lo- yeah. yeah. I just want to yeah. Well, and it felt like ice fishing. You know, my grandfather used to take us ice fishing. And, you know, it's like, so it's like you're sticking like the line down this little hole. And, like, that's, you know, that's like kind of like the, the gist of it. And you catch things. And it's, I mean, it's a pretty fun little game. It's not something you would play like forever and ever. It doesn't have any real, you know, depth. Like, I mean, other than like water depth, but like not like game depth. <laughs> um, but yeah, just a, just a really cool funky wacky thing that like is awesome that exists in this world all right anybody else have anything else to add or should we move on uh i'm just i'm one of those like distant watchers i never thought i'd get it myself but i'm happy you guys are happy with it yeah and it kind of fits nintendo's vibe like you said they always were willing to experiment the wii had so many peripherals for the steering wheel you know for like whatever like nintendo back in the day had the super scope yeah <laughs> like yeah, I just, I just see them like oh this is like an affordable way to get a little bit of everything yeah um, i don't know how many games are compatible with but i think it's a cool idea and i think the studio should be not a lot gambling on things like that yeah. same with the super Maybe scope else. it didn't have that was like the one said downside to that was it didn't really have a lot of games that you could play with yeah. it but um I mean, whatever probably Maybe we'll have a, a handful Maybe we'll have a Labo 2 come out with the Switch Pro to <laughs> as a as other thing. Probably not, but I don't know. Haven't heard y'all talk about this. I I I'd looked at this before and it looked interesting, but I wasn't sure about it. But I, I may have this may be a, a gift for a little boy who has a birthday coming up in May. So it's <laughs> a, fun with it, I promise. It's me. <laughs> all right Sal, you're like six foot you ain't little <laughs> he's taller than that <laughs> um all right well we're gonna leave the fun of the cardboard world behind and we are going to move on to our number nine pick and number nine steel battalion controller and we we're taking it up from Ooh. from 10 to 11 or whatever i mean um so uh this is one of those times and we actually are becoming uh, quite fond of these times on the gg guiding podcast where this is a super big blind spot for us like um steel battalion controller is not anything that any of us really had any experience with you know i knew what they existed i knew what they looked like and of course as a you know i guess it wasn't really a kid when this came out but i was i was in like high school or college and there was no way i was going to take up that amount of desk space (laughs) so so we um we reached out to somebody who had ranked this as their top and boy am i glad that we reached out to him because we have uh, a a community member um friend of the podcast bob buell uh who does a lot of hanging out over at the draft punks Uh, you can actually find uh he has an just an amazing uh, podcast uh, that he kind of promotes over there called 99 questions. And I highly, highly encourage anybody who's not familiar with that to go check out Bob's podcast. Cause he has some super good guests on the 99 questions is basically like an interview. Sally does where he, he will just ask him anything. I mean, some of it's like really deep. Some of it's just like, what's your favorite color? Like it could be anything. And who's uh, the coolest dude. Yeah, he's, he's cool. <laughs> and he gets, who's you know, the coolest dude? Right, I who's the coolest, that, that coolest yeah. dude? 
<laughs> yeah, he has that one on his last. Uh, he does one like an annual thing every year where he goes on to uh, Chat Roulette, which is like a website where you can just talk to random people. So he has like it his Chat Roulette. Spe- yeah, he That's has another great question. Of his. He, I love that. He show. asked one guy, like, please spell the word gray. And mm-hmm. the guy, he's an Irish dude on Chat Roulette, and he just goes, no. <laughs> <laughs> but he gets he's got some some you know some big time guests on there too you know he gets he's got some people from min max some people from like both current and former like uh easy allies you know he had kyle bossman on there like not that long ago he's got wrestlers on there i mean he's he's got a lot of really good stuff so very excited he's got a definitely a real passion for the steel battalion controller um and so uh we'll put bob's information in the description but for now we are going to move over turn over this take to bob he's going to give us his thoughts on the steel battalion controller and then we will catch you guys on the other side of that folks go on a journey with me close your eyes and Imagine in your mind's eye the following scenario. It's the not-too-distant future. And you are a pilot with the sole intention of saving the planet. How do you do so? Not superpowers, not a gusto for life, but with a bipedal tank. A mech, if you will, that you pilot one-man operation taking down the threats to the dear sweet planet that you love oh so much. This is not a dream. This is Steel Battalion. And if this was just a normal game, a normal game that just comes out and releases onto console... You would just use a controller. And why wouldn't you? This isn't just a game. You think this is a game? This is Steel Battalion. No simple controller can do this justice. What you get is a three-paneled, 44-button, double-joystick with the left joystick containing a joystick within the joystick, by the way. Three foot pedals, a radio dial, five switches, and a gear shifter. This is closer to a Chevrolet Silverado than it is the Duke controller. If you thought a rock band drum kit was impressive, you haven't seen anything. And I know what you're thinking. Is this something that's coming to VR? Is this something that's coming to Fortnite? No. This was released 22 years ago for the original Xbox. More buttons than is feasible. At the beginning of every level, you need to lower the cockpit hatch over top of you with its own button. You then need to start your mech with its own button. 
you need to do a startup sequence by flipping switches like it's the beginning of an action movie. Once you fire your guns enough, your screen will fill with gunk and goo and smoke and you need to clean it. Eventually, your system will overheat and you need a separate button to reset the OS that is on your screen at that given moment. Some buttons fade, some flash, some light up. They put so much care into this I don't even want to call it a controller. Calling it a controller would diminish it. It's the most immersive peripheral that has ever existed. And yes, I'm counting VR. And don't worry, I didn't mention the best part. When you die in this game, when your mech has taken enough damage, there is the classic action movie cliche of a red flashing button with a plastic square cover over top of it. And you need to flip that cover off and dramatically smash that red button to ejector seat you out of this mech. And if you don't, prepare yourself for the Hideo Kojima levels of nonsense that's about to happen here. If you don't eject your seat out of your mech, it will delete your save file as if your pilot had actually died. And what I love most about it isn't the gameplay, but the fact that it feels like it was made by a corporation that didn't care about turning a profit. It was made by a company that wanted something so amazingly cool that it just said, F it, let's go completely balls to the wall with everything. Two foot pedals? No, throw a third one on there. 20 buttons? Not enough. 40. All that said, in closing, Steel Battalion is the coolest gaming peripheral that is truly an affront to the entire gaming medium. I thank you for your time and I cede my floor to whoever dares try to rank higher than this. Thank you for your time. Bob is nothing. There is nothing to say after that. I mean, oh. like, like, try to no. try to, like, improve upon that. I no. dare you. There's no way. To, I mean, um, I guess we're back. We all of our jaws are just on the floor. That was the best, like, take on maybe anything so far. Like, I feel like, I feel like Wayne and Garth is the second Wayne's World reference. Like, I feel like I should <laughs> drop to my knees and just be like, "We are not worthy." Like, we should just not do any more of these. Steel Battalion, that's the end of the show. <laughs> uh, that was incredible. I, yeah. I, 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 again, I think. Well said. This is at number nine, but I think really probably after listening to that description, the only reason it's number nine is because nobody's mom and dad was going to buy them like a five foot desk covering, like tank controller. 
with yeah. three foot pedals. Like, who was going to get that? Like, it just, it just it just didn't have enough. It just didn't get in enough people's both hands <laughs> at yeah. the same and time. Feet. All and three feet, feet that we have yeah. to propel it. 200 at retail. Yeah, I spent, I spent about two and a half hours digging for footage of this thing. And um, the one thing that was consistent in all the footage and all the stuff off archive.org and all the all the digging I did is like everyone who sits behind this thing has a shit eating grin on their face. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah. I believe it. I 100% yeah. believe it's it. O- it's overkill in the absolute best possible yeah. way. This thing is so sick and I didn't know it existed until it was voted into this list. This is this thing oh, is so hilarious. cool. Right. I'm so glad it made this list just to have heard that description of it. And like we were talking about the Labo being like a, you know, F it, like, let's just make it anyway. Mm-hmm. But this, like, again, this is like turn like up to a left. Like, this is like that, like to like the exponential degree of just yeah. basically being like, I, we want to see what this would look like and we're going to have fun and we're just going to make it even though it's not going to sell and who cares. There's a, there's a really neat story behind the development of this thing actually at Capcom. I'm not going to get into it. Like you should read about it. It's yeah. a really, really like this. This thing was a really special device, and a lot of really dedicated people worked on it. Uh, you know, there's a story there if you're if you want to look. It's awesome. I yeah. I mean, we should leave it there. I mean, I, anything we say is just going to basically degrade that insane description, yeah. and it makes me feel like a little bit bad. Like he said, for basically everything else on this list, we will try and do it justice. <laughs> We will try and do them justice, but I don't know that we're going to be able to do anything that level of justice. So thank you, Bob. Uh, that was almost a religious experience. Uh, we appreciate it. Um, and we are going to try to move on and regather we're ourselves. Flip that switch and eject you know? ourselves. Like I'm like, I'm like, I, you, I got thank like Bob. hot and bothered a little bit, but thank you. Okay. All right. Moving awesome. on. From I got number hot bothered after looking up the prices, dude. It goes <laughs> up to five hundred bucks now. If you oh, want yeah. to get, if you want to have this fun, that Bob, Bob was ahead. He probably still has his controller. No way he sold his, dude. Like three to five hundred bucks. That description was so good. Sal is already shopping. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's in my wish list. I mean, my birthday's in May, right, Zach? Yeah, Zach, get him this. Oh, yeah, yeah. Get him this perfect time. present for a little boy. Just cancel your. <laughs> Cancel your New Orleans trip and get him uh, get Sal uh, a steel battalion controller. Okay, just clear clear off a four foot surface in your fucking living area and plug it in. Unbelievable! Play on my floor. (laughs) (laughs) Good luck with the foot pedals. Then that's going to be weird. Um. All right. All right. Moving along from the best number nine ever, we have number eight. At number eight, it is the Ring Fit controller. <laughs> it's time to get exercising, everybody. Oh, Let's go. <laughs> uh, so, audio listeners, Zach has actually got his Ring Fit ring out and is squeezing the crap out of it. Um, yeah, so that's how you use it. Yes. So, <laughs> a thing that you so we're we're going we're going to basically go from whatever 49 buttons down to none and just a ring you hold on to uh i'm gonna i'm gonna talk through this one i have the ring fit as well i didn't bring it up here with me 
Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of introduce this one. So um, all I gotta say is, yay, exercise. <laughs> <laughs> um, so fitness games have actually been around for a pretty long time. Like there's been fitness peripherals. Uh, all the way back to even the Atari had some fitness stuff, you know, like I think there's a certain level of fitness and games to kind of go hand in hand. Um, there's, you know, we fit was a thing. We fit plus they had the whole balance board, which was a nominee on this list. Spoiler didn't make the cut. Uh, cause it's probably cause ring fit was here. I mean, you're going to pick between the fitness things, the balance board or the ring fit. It was going to be the ring fit. And, uh, so they've been around a while, but like, I think most of those games and other things, they really were just too tailored to like the actual fitness, right? Like it was like, well, you know, now, uh, you know, your yoga mom can play a game too or something. It wasn't, it wasn't like Ring Fit. Like Ring Fit Adventure was a game. Like yeah. it was a game. Like, I think first, almost, it was really first a game, and then, like, the byproduct was just, oh, also, you're getting exercise. And um, so it came along packaged with this, you know, as Zach showed, like, you know, this you had this yeah. ring, you slid the... Uh, it's, like a, it's like a tension ring. Like, it's just, right. it just flexes. That's all it does. Yeah, it's, it, you know, it's a ring that you can push in and out, pull in and out, and put in different positions. You slide the Joy-Con into it. You get a little thing you strap One. to you. Yeah. Yeah. Joy-Con goes in here and then on your leg. Then you get, yeah, you get a little thing to strap around your leg that kind of, like, you know, helps simulate running, walking... Uh, that kind of thing and so you would like run around in this game and by run around I mean like you know you look, <laughs> you look like an insane person but you just kind of ran in place it's a very weird feeling to like just sit there running in place like you're like four years old again but then you would squeeze this thing and it would like fire things off and you would collect things by like firing like smoke rings or whatever it was um, as you kind of like ran around this world and um, like it it just kind of did the what I think it was trying to do, which was keep your mind Bye. keep your mind off of the fact that you were actually doing something healthy, and instead just felt like, well, this is just a kind of different immersive way uh, to play a game because you would like get into these really cool kind of like turn based like battles with enemies and like so instead of you know picking something from like a menu like you would pick something and then like it'd be like okay well to defeat this thing you got to do 25 squats or something you know and so you'd be doing these squats and the better that you did at them like the more damage you were doing so it was really like there was a motivation to actually do like a correct like squat and so this peripheral, this controller, like I remember playing with it and like you'd be, and Zach has demonstrated this a few times, but you would be just squeezing the ever living hell yeah, out I mean, of that like, thing. Even if I squeeze it, it's not and easy like, to get this thing together. <laughs> I just was like, is this thing going to explode in my hands? You know, like this is like, <laughs> like it felt like it was going to, but it's the most durable thing I think I, I mean it's like a legit fitness thing like you can't break it 
it will squeeze all the way in and it's got a lot of resistance and so in the amount you squeeze it in somehow the joy-con i actually have never really quite understood how it works but it like picks up on how much you're actually squeezing it just with the joy-con in it and um it just worked it worked flawlessly you know you didn't really like you didn't like have to sit there and like fidget with it or uh anything you just played the game you ran around got into fights you ended up getting in fights with this real piece of shit dragon with the most yeah. original name ever drago and you wow. really learned to hate that dude he he kicks oh, your yeah. ass he sucks was he a real drago drago yeah. he was a real drago and so, I mean, you're talking about this, and you're bringing up like the it, you are doing workouts. I don't think you bring up the fact that it's a good workout too. Like when I would do this, you take a session, and by the time you were done with your session, you were pretty freaking tired. Like, Sore. Yeah, you'd be like, yeah. be like, oh, that's what yeah. doing 50 squats feels like. I didn't ever do that. <laughs> 50, like, yeah. 150. Been, uh, that thing replaced gyms during the pandemic, you know. It, it did. It kind of. Uh, which isn't. Yeah. Is it, well, go go ahead, Hunter. Uh, no, 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 you go yeah. ahead. I, I don't. No, no, it. you go ahead. So Brett. not not just not just not just gyms during the pandemic. Um, I had a pretty good discussion with uh, a friend Dan about this, and Dan has one of these, and he would take this while he was flying, so that he could get workouts in his hotel room without having to go over to the gym in the hotel room, mm-hmm. and he was like. I was like, every time I was like, I should start doing that again because it's a great workout. It's a great way to gamify your workout as well. Feel like you're having fun while getting a good workout and keeping healthy. Um, I need probably to use this thing more than I do. My kids absolutely love it also, yeah, which is the gonna, funniest thing. Um, kids love this. I was so about to bring that up. Much. Yeah. That's that's the best thing too, because like if you've got a mom at home like we've got, you know, who like kind of frowns upon any video game playing like that is excessive in her mind she's not gonna she's not gonna have a thing to say if the kids are playing ring fit like if they're running in place and like doing like exercises and having fun with it and like don't even know what they're doing like she's like oh man that's great she's like can i use that thing like i mean it's it's one of those things that like there's probably a few peripherals on this list that will qualify in this category but it's like anybody can understand it right like it's not like picking up like a 20 button controller and understanding you know the way that it works and and getting coordinated it's like no it's a ring you you run in place you squeeze it at things you do exercises anybody can do it and uh that's kind of an awesome thing with a lot of these peripherals is that like you can get anybody kids you know parents like whatever they can play with it and that's definitely in that category another fun thing with this is that there is a speed running category oh, for yeah. Fit Adventure. oh yeah there is and we, we just we, we, we just been going through uh gdq yeah. um recently and they did have this on one of the summer gdqs i think uh the the, the runners put it on the easiest mode but looking at the top time in the world to beat Ring Fit Adventure, the best speed run, it is 10 hours, 44 minutes, and 13 seconds. Uh, oh, my God. Of, play, of exercising. That hurts. Wow. Like, that I, I, hurts I remember, to even... I can't even understand I remember, that. I remember tuning in with the start of one of the speed runs for this when they did it on G, uh, GDQ. And the guy was like getting started. He looked fine. 
I came back in like seven or eight hours later. I think I went to bed and came back. <laughs> and the dude looked like dead. He was so yeah. exhausted for having done this for so long. I was wondering and if there was like some kind of like, you know, non-exercise category where you could just like hold the Joy-Con and like move it up and down or something <laughs> to like cheese it. Yeah. <laughs> That's no, just easy. They just put it on easy mode because it's the least amount of exercise you have to do for each one, but it's still yeah, wow. an absolute monstrous amount. Dude, I did it's like <laughs> I did that for like 45 minutes and I was like, I'm going to die. Um, but also like didn't realize that I had done it all. That, like, the, I guess like when you exercise a lot of, you know, why there are like screens on treadmills and things like that is because you really do want to like trick your brain into like fast forwarding the time that you're doing it where you're like not feeling like you're suffering through it and there's very few things in the world that do a better job of just like making it feel like a short fun experience and then you're like oh my god i just exercised for like a straight hour and i'm completely sore and people who stick with it like there are some great like kind of i'm gonna try Ring fit for like the next like couple of months and see how I do. And there are people who have like great stories about getting back in better shape, and um, yeah. it really legit works. So, like they, I know that I remember hearing or reading about how they brought in like legit fitness experts to help design this and design the game and make it make it actually like function correctly and um, get like real exercise into it. So, I mean, you got to applaud. Yeah them for doing that to the point where a bunch of nerdy gamers put it on a top 10 list of peripherals <laughs> it, it reminds me of all the people that lost weight when uh, ddr got popular <laughs> right remember remember that those people that were like oh we became friends we're all like people that bonded over this game and we somehow happened to lose weight you know because it kept us entertained they all had pale skin though i always that <laughs> they, were always, they were actually going outside and getting sun um, uh, i i have you guys ever used the wii fit base it's like nintendo's been constantly trying to get people right yeah Yeah, it's like they had a balance board for the wii or the wii u they've always kind of supported like the idea of like hey go outside yeah or get some exercise Speaking of wacky peripherals there's a pulse oximeter you can i love that one (laughs) yeah you know like what is what was that the vitality sensor or whatever yeah (laughs) it's like giving your like your oxygen levels and stuff Notice we're talking a lot of Nintendo today. Yeah. Well, Nintendo is king of wacky stuff, to be honest. They have so many things that they've done. All right, let's surprising. Let's wrap up. We I gotta I gotta I gotta put on my, my West hat. West West is, does such a good job of like, you know, moving us through these. I gotta make sure that we're not running like a five hour episode, which I don't think we are yet, but uh, I think we're gonna move on from Ring Fit. It's a good entry. Uh not as good as Steel Battalion. You know, but no. <laughs> <laughs> but that's going to be a running theme, I think. All right, <laughs> moving on from uh, ring fitted uh, number eight, we're going to move on to our number seven pick. At number seven, it is the Poke Walker, and I know nothing about this. Mm. I saw a picture of it on the internet, but um, Brad, uh, I think, has. Quite a bit of knowledge on the Poke Walker, so I'm going to turn this over to him, and let's hear what is so great about the Poke Walker. All right. So for those who don't know, uh, the Poke Walker is an accessory that came bundled with every copy of the Pokemon Gold and Silver remakes, uh, Heart Gold, Soul Silver, uh, from 2009. It's essentially a glorified step counter in the shape of like a shrunk down Pokeball with a belt clip. 
your steps are counted. They're converted to like an in-game currency called watts. So it's like, I think you get like one watt for every 20 steps or something like that. Um, so, you know, it doesn't just count your steps either, though. It interacts with, um, you know, both of those Pokemon games. Uh, so you can transfer up to three Pokemon from your game into the Pokewalker, uh, you know, uh, from Heart Gold or Soul Silver. Uh, you transfer that wirelessly with the little infrared panel on the DS, uh, and you can take them out with you. Uh, you can, uh, like, fight battles with them while you're on the go. It's like a little kind of Tamagotchi version of a Pokemon battle. You know, like, the left button is attack, and then, like, the right button is, like, escape, and then the middle button's, like, catch, or something like that. Uh, you know, you can take your Pokemon on IRL adventures and find items. Uh, it's got a couple of functions. Uh, one's called the Pokey Radar, which lets you like find and like battle and potentially like capture Pokemon like out in the real world. Uh, um, and then there's like a drowsing um, uh, function where you find items. Uh, it, it's like a uh, so you click and it tells you like if there's an item within like one square of where you're standing. Uh, and then you can pick up like three of those. Uh, the thing can store like three items and then you like can transfer it back to your game or whatever. Uh, there's like a train, you can display your trainer card from the game, you know, it displays your name, your stroll routes, like, you know, the current time, that kind of thing, you know. Um, uh, so yeah, I mean, kind of a, a neat little like uh, bonus item that came bundled up with uh, Heart Gold and Soul Silver. Uh, both of those games are really great Pokemon games, and uh, this thing uh, kind of, uh, I think, just sold the thing. Maybe a little more than it would. Who knows? But, uh, yeah, silly little thing. I have a couple of them. I just couldn't find them. They're in a box somewhere anyway. Uh, but their batteries are probably all dead in them now. <laughs> but, yeah, Pokewalker. It was uh, an interesting little piece of hardware there. Did you have a Pokewalker, Zach? I, I did not. Um think... I had a Digivice. Uh, the big thing when I was a kid was the scanners. Mm. Those were a lot of fun. which is a similar concept walking around with them. But that one was the when you're going with your mom to the grocery store, you can go scan all the barcodes as you walk by and see if you can find any monsters. Um, oh, wow. I did not have a Pokey Walker, though. Um, but I, I, I did think this was such a, a really cool idea and probably um, mm. is somewhat more realized now with Pokemon Go because they had the uh, I can't remember what they call it, but they have a little like the watch thing that you can wear with that that'll count your steps when you're not looking at your phone. It'll help like keep track of the things you're doing for po for your Pokemon um, and Pokemon Go. Um, neat little thing. It's cool to be able to take this around with you. Um, if I had I don't think I knew about this because let's see, that was uh, DS, right? When yeah, Heart Gold yeah. was there. Yeah, that was when I was in college. I was not really on as much of a Pokemon kick uh, when that was going on, so I played a lot of soul of regular silver and gold. Um, but yeah, this was not not something I was thinking about at the time. I had other priorities while I was in college. Yeah, these are fan favorite games, and uh, I think a lot of people have like fond memories of this stupid little thing. Yeah, it's mm. probably it's probably like I mean, it sounds like it was very you know wise to kind of pack those things in with those games because I mean they were probably all over the place. Was it was it like did it did it connect to anything like could you like like yeah, trade, trade pokemon for, on them like not with uh pokewalkers directly okay. but but you could take them from your game or catch them out in the world and bring them into your game 
Like, you, your Pokemon will level up, like, at a certain experience point exchange rate. Like, one step, one one experience point. I'm really so, cons- like it's, Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So, it's kind of gimmicky, you know? Like, you, you train your Pokemon while you're out running around. The things clip to your belt like a nerd, and everyone knows it's your emergent. <laughs> that's, that's why Zach, that's why Zach didn't have it in college. He was like trying to get, just trying to get some yeah. action. He's like, I can't have my Pokey Walker with me while I'm, you know, <laughs> out here chasing. Looking at this though, I was looking at the Bubblepedia for it, and there's this uh, the cool thing that was in Japan and uh, South Korea. It's called the the spot Pokey Walker spots at like Pokemon centers. They had them like scattered around for this, and you could if you found one, you could go take it up to it apparently, and it would like give you an item into your Pokewalker walker to take back and put in your thing right i mean yeah if i wasn't worried about this hunter portrayed for me how what i was doing <laughs> um i probably would have gotten around with this and maybe had fun with it but yeah it's not, i don't know not really i mean like radar. at your age like, I, I feel like all, i feel like all the girls were into like you know pokemon at the time too maybe they just weren't like showing it as much no yeah. They weren't nah, there. Not, not, not a ton of them. Maybe and not probably, I mean, in college, Tennessee. it's the same thing. They're trying to do the same thing that we are and not show how weird we all are on the inside. So, yeah. If they made a poke thrust, you probably would have grabbed it. <laughs> oh, God. No. I, a poke thrust. No. No, that's why we brought no. you on here for exactly that kind of thing to say. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I mean, it sounds, I mean, it looks adorable. Like, it looks like a little Pokeball. Like, and, um, you know, that. It does sound like that was a little bit of a, um, you know, preview f- for sure for Pokemon Go, where like the idea of like actually going out into the world. I wonder how like that actually functioned, like where, you know, was it just based on like, well, here's the number of steps you've done, and then it randomly yeah. generates a Pokemon or something. I, I don't know, right? Because it wasn't I using GPS. I assume it doesn't have like GPS in it or anything no, crazy. Just a pedometer. It's a, it's a Tamagotchi counts, yeah. counter, counter, little. You know, it takes a watch battery. Yeah. Right. Was it for the 3DS or the DS? The DS. It came out in 2009. Got it. Because the 3DS ended up including its own walker and having all these systems for like interacting people, getting street pass and all that. And some of those functions still work with like uh, the 3DS Pokemon games too. So they did carry it on, but without the little Tamagotchi E-Chain Jabby. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well. You know, making the number seven spawn. It's the Poke Walker. We're gonna we're gonna continue to move this train along and we're gonna talk about our number six pick. At number six, we have the Wormlight for the Game Boy Advance. And I have to tell you, I am super excited to hear Zach fill a solid five minutes around five minutes of time discussing how the worm light is better than the steel battalion controller <laughs> so go zach you're up <laughs> all right start out with this i will comment on uh one of my favorite lines from hunter here in the past couple of weeks which is we were just discussing um where the voting was going as this coming in and he, he he gave this one he he gave this quote it was we're talking about one of the other ones is like, but you know what's really surprised me? How many votes this worm light has gotten? Like, what the hell is that? Like, I it's never even of heard of this. And I was like, wait, you you never had a worm light? And this was something that you had to have 
at yeah. that point in time for it wasn't just I, I understand Game Boy Advance. It wasn't just Game Boy Advance. Oh, was it, it not? Was, I'm sorry. I it, it, was it was also on the Game Boy Color, uh, Game Boy Light, Game Boy, um, like all the other ones they had. They had the warm light because it just went in. Uh, well, it had an advance too, but only the uh, kind of bricky advance, not the the. Um, not the the SP, and there was a reason for that. It's because SP was the first Game Boy to officially come out with a light, backlit screen. As a kid who took, yeah, you had to have a remote. As a kid who took a ton of trips growing up to go see his brothers, who were all off at boarding school and colleges all over the place, and was getting dragged around by his parents and stuck in a car as we took drives through the night. Um, or just in the middle of the day, because you couldn't see anything on the damn Game Boy screen. <laughs> this was one of the most important items that you had. Um, you had either the warm light, which I actually um, did not have the warm light. I had something else that was very similar. I had the little clip-on thing that gave it like the magnifying glass so you can make the screen look a little bit bigger, but mm -hmm. also put light down on it. But Everybody who had a Game Boy or Game Boy Advance had one of those because you had you couldn't play otherwise. If you were sitting in your room at night and you didn't want to get caught playing, you could put on that little worm light and just to hear someone upstairs, rip it out of the Game Boy and it's not gonna damage anything and you get you're not gonna get caught. This is absolutely <laughs> necessary. And how it beats out the Steel Battalion controller is because the Steel Battalion controller was not necessary to play the system. <laughs> this is necessary. It's so funny, yeah. Like, it's, like, you're just basically describing, like, okay, like, a complete shortcoming of the console itself, like, made this, like, such a popular, necessary item. And I think what's funny is, I, if I remember right, I remember reading this, like, the Wormlight, like, I, f I feel like Nintendo, like, fought against it being compatible with you know they didn't want they, they but then there's always been weird about like third party like devices you know that might even come up again in this list but um you know they didn't like you plugging anything into their stuff to the point that they started making their own plug shapes and uh you know the yeah. problems that come with that but yeah i mean i had the game boy and like yeah if you didn't have like like a handy boy or something along those lines like you just like the conditions for playing a Game Boy were like so narrow, like paper thin. Oh, yeah. Like it had to be like exactly the right lighting at the right angle. You know, like if you didn't have anything else attached to it, then it there were problems like with, with actually seeing yeah. it. So, so I get it. I get it. I understand why it's so here. People had to have it. It's just necessary. So um I have a an enjoyment. Something that I, I really like doing is taking older systems and fixing them up um, a little bit, or kind of retro modding them so that they work a little bit better. Um, I actually did this with my Game Boy Color uh, about a year ago now. I remember, um, I, I got all the pieces I need for it. I completely disassembled my Game Boy. I took the motherboard out, cleaned it, put it in a new case. Um, but the most important addition I added was a backlit screen that yeah. it's it's and it's it's amazing to go and play that because i'll play um my game boy color and i'll go play silver um you know pokemon silver on that and have the ability to play that whenever i want however yeah. i want and yeah. not have to have this ring the worm light but yeah this this was such <laughs> such a small <laughs> thing that made such a big difference you know how much you can yeah. buy one of these for now yes five bucks 
a vintage one for 40 if you want a one that yeah. maybe doesn't even work i i remember <laughs> having my game boy advance and having to not have it near the lamp but have the light bounce off the wall so i don't mm -hmm. have direct lamp glare <laughs> and that would be the perfect lighting yeah, to yeah. play within certain hours in the house uh yeah and outside you fought the glare yeah everyone I, everyone recommended getting one and i think i got one within like a month of having a game boy yeah you know so Necessary. i feel like we should if wes were here i feel like he would do this and i, I don't want to neglect it so anybody who is listening you know watching and I don't, we don't have a warm line on us like he would be like trying to describe this to people uh this is the most basic ass thing you've ever seen like it plugs into like basically <laughs> the top it has and i don't even know where the no worm thing comes straws. from it just it just has like a yeah. A springy looking like bendable thing on it yeah. and then on the end of it is a very small flashlight like that's the yeah. entire description it's basically just a a a spirally like a spiral notebook with a flashlight attached to the end of it that just bends yeah. down just so that you can actually play games with and that's the whole deal like it is the polar opposite to the steel battalion controller and the fact that it's just the most simplistic like a company took a, a real problem a shortcoming and sold a bajillion things Nico. that everybody Mad needed Dad. to like for very cheap yeah. just to like basically solve this one problem that really yeah. was on nintendo <laughs> Yeah, to, I, I to thought they look like crazy straws. Yeah, you look like a, yeah, a crazy straw just plugged into your console. Like, what the hell is that for? Like, like you a, could just or like a pipe cleaner that you like yeah. twisted. Because right? like you can just imagine Zach like talking about his scenario for like anybody. Like you get on a plane at night, you know, like conditions aren't perfect. You pull out your Game Boy, you're trying to play, and you're like, oh, I need my worm light. So you reach down in your bag to grab me, like fuck. Yeah, I forgot my worm light, you know, and I'm not playing now. So like the worm light was probably just every bit as important to like make sure you had along with you. Uh, anybody who experienced some of these older like handheld consoles know that you had to have other things to make them really enjoyable to play. And once you did, no problem. The games, some of the games on there were great, but like, you know, it's important to be able to see them. And that's what this did. All right. Yeah. I think you did actually do it, Zach. I think you managed to fill the allotted time with Wormlight description. Uh, I have to be good. I, I made a promise to somebody um, from our last episode that I have I have to do I have to remember that we are representing other people's choices here. You know, sometimes I think I get carried away, or we get carried away. You know, like these are our picks. These picks do not belong to us. Like people pick the Wormlight, and a lot of people did pick the Wormlight. This was not one like nobody's ranking Wormlight number one, right? Wormlight made this list because a ton of people ranked it like fifth, right? Like yeah. for, like this made the list because a lot of people had it, found it valuable, and and it, it thrust it up into this list. So that like, despite the fact that it, you know isn't flashy or like you know anything crazy it really is just a flashlight you know it was an important thing for people like that they had so you know it sure. belongs here and uh, i'm too. glad that you guys uh nominated it definitely adds some real variety to this uh to this list all right moving on from the worm light 
we are going to go to another fun, weird third-party peripheral at number five. At number five, we have the Game Genie. The Game Genie. The cheat. The cheat thing. Uh, so, um, definitely don't have to describe this to anybody. I think most people know what this is. Um, we haven't I heard. Describe it. I need to kill five minutes. Wait, we have. Yeah, we haven't. <laughs> uh, we haven't really turned to sound much to like open these things up yet on this one. So we are going to get sound to to give us. Yeah, uh, the opening take on what made the game yeah. genie a great funky peripheral. I I remember my cousin showing off his game genie and me just asking questions nonstop that he couldn't answer because he was the older cousin. So I was like, so wait, you mean you can make Mario bigger? You can make Mario have infinite lives? You can make new levels? Like basically, for those that do need a description, Hunter. Okay, not everyone out there was around All in right, the 80s. Fair enough, it was fair for Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega systems. It was After basically a cartridge. If you played with a Game Genie, you could be part of this class action lawsuit. Uh, um, <laughs> so the Game Genie basically plugged in a game cartridge and then that went into the game and or the console. And, and on a code level, edited the game to give you like basically developer level codes you could always get the game codes there's always cheats or passwords but as time went on people would find new basically patterns in the dna of the game and be and release it with new magazines every month you'd get some game genie codes the game genie came with its own little manual you know with some stock codes and you would just punch in you know whatever and uh, these they almost look like the turok god mode code it's nonsensical just characters but it would do something to the game. Sometimes it would crash it. Sometimes yeah. you'd have to, you know, pop it out, blow. Uh, <laughs> but in the end, you'd get your infinite whatever, skip to whatever levels, maybe even get a little bit of light modding in there. And um, the the cool thing about the game Genie is that Nintendo, of course, tried to stop the, uh, the game Genie's existence. Nintendo is. took Game Genie to court. I don't know if Hunter was intentionally dropping. Oh no, hints, I was. Uh, I was. That. <laughs> yeah. And uh, of course, in classic Nintendo fashion, Nintendo won. They lost. They yeah. lost. Yeah. They didn't win. Game Genie isn't canon, and yeah. they were allowed to still sell their third-party hardware because they, for some reason, it was, was a allowed. fair. It, wasn't it was a fair use case. Like, yeah, because it, it, it wasn't it, a it was, game. Yeah. It established fair use for like video game, th like things like Game Genie to be like they weren't yeah. like they weren't like trying to like rip off or make anything new. That you yep. know they were it was its own thing. So yeah, great great and win in court by the way. I I, I loved it. Uh, I ended up getting a Game Shark mm -hmm. uh, down the line, Actually, and I, there were a lot of those. The the first game I beat with it was Goldeneye, and I got everything unlocked. And then my friend started asking me. Like, hey, hey, can you beat it for me? And they didn't know I had a game shark. <laughs> so in grade, I was like beating for people. I was like, yeah, I'll just take it home. I'll bring it back over the weekend. I did it like two times before I was like, I just got to learn how to get good at this game. Mm -hmm. And it kind of gave me like, I, you know, some people, they like reverse engineer. They take something apart, then they can rebuild it. By having the game genie, I was able to get, or a game shark in my case, I was able to get further in the game and learn the pattern so I could eventually beat the game normal without the cheats. So yeah. I, I I tried to go honor mode eventually <laughs> with those things, but I think I think they're they're freaking awesome, uh, just because I like being able to mess with things and you know sometimes you get bored of the base game and you want to you know 
do an infinite run, not have to worry about your your turtles in time getting getting lost or whatever. I think um I think you used a really key word with when you said light modding because like that's I mean essentially this was kind of like like an early stage of like what modding was like you know it was taking code coming from the cartridge like so like the the cartridge would be like oh you lost a life like send two lives back to the console like that's what you're and then like the game genie would just take that and go like now three again like you know it just would replace the the what signal that it was sending so it really was kind of like a modding device i love the fact that they marketed it as like right on the box the game enhancer you know yeah like, not like the game cheater like game like they're calling it like enhancing which i always thought was a really funny description because like you wouldn't be in like school and just be like no professor i was just enhancing my test with brian's answers <laughs> 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 so they should call chat gpt now <laughs> and god what a ai enhancer what a beautiful you know <laughs> well when you're making like a third party thing like that that like as Sal described earlier like you, Nintendo had absolutely no intention of like being part of their console their part of their business strategy anything so you know the Nintendo had a very specific design <clears throat> and the way that the game genie got around this is I mean it was so off-putting like it was such an awkward looking thing that is the original NES one especially like had this it was like this weird half cartridge that had looked like it had like this like weird video game garter belt like hanging off of it and uh <laughs> you would like strap that thing on and then you'd have to like stick it into the console with like the door still open and like the the whole last thing was still like kind of hanging out it looked all vulnerable <laughs> like hanging out of the back of your console hatch open yeah, hatch yeah. open, and you were just like, "This doesn't look right," you know. And then you would put some codes in, and like, like I said, like some codes, like just what ab were absolutely busted. It would just like your game be like, "You can play the game, but you don't actually get to see the entire bottom half of the screen or something." Like it was, <laughs> it was, it was weird. Um, but like you know, um, there were some that were just like a lot of fun, and I think one of the um, I called it like a cheap thing, and I was making fun of that, but. I think one of the fun things about it being kind of a modding thing was that it wasn't always to make things easier. Like it had like, yeah. I remember there was um, uh, even like a code for like the original Zelda, uh, Legend of Zelda that like it did this thing where basically it did like random item drops. So like you could end up with like the Master Sword after like oh, two wow. fights with people. So you would pick up the Master That's Sword cool. and you had that. But on the flip side of that, you couldn't pick up any hearts like the whole rest of the game so you had the master sword but like, you can imagine that today just being like okay we're putting in like a mod that's like you it's get no life but you get randomizer. the master sword right away yeah like that that completely changes the the feel of that game like where it's like you're overpowered but also you gotta be careful yeah. you know so you had some things like that it wasn't just like a cheat it, like, it would like really felt like you were replaying a game that you like knew really well um, in an entirely different way. And uh, I thought that was really cool about it. And the fact that they wanted and and you could even program your own codes. Like they was like a whole section of the book. Oh yeah. That was like, it was like a big homebrew scene. It was like, learn, know? learn how to basically put your own stuff in there, which is just wild. You know, people like, yeah. I, mean, I was too young to know what the hell I would be doing with that. But like people who, you know, the early dorks in the video game generation <laughs> that actually, 
like had some brain power uh, were like actually coding their own ge uh, game genie codes, which is just that's just fascinating. So, what a great but peripheral. A lot of trial, uh, trial and error, that's, right? For sure. It's <laughs> a, a cool one for me, but uh, kind of actually go back to the thing you first said about this, Hunter, which is that Sal didn't need to explain what it is. Yeah. Um, that isn't necessarily true. I had no idea what the Game Genie was until really? I was in high school. Or, yeah, until I was in high school. Yeah, um, and that right. only came from using emulators and seeing, oh, Game Genie codes that go in here. Uh -huh. And the, uh -huh. th that's where I first got introduced to it because only thing I grew up with was Game Shark. Yeah. Game Shark kind of took its place, you know. I think Game yeah. Genie, Game Genie, um, one of these things was going to end up in this list, and I think Game Genie probably just has a little bit more legacy, like yeah, like retro power, like um, like the like the origin story of these kind of things. I think Brad even put it this way. I think Game Shark was better, like it did it better. Sure. Right, like um, you didn't have a limit to the amount of codes you could use. And... Right, mm -hmm. Game Genie was just the original. It was like the OG thing. So yeah, they were working on it, it too. Was, I think, it was crazy exciting, though, man. Like I remember, like in fourth grade, my bud Dave Schneider, his <laughs> old man, his old man, like was a business guy, and he traveled around and he brought this thing home for my buddy before like it was available in the states i think he picked it up in canada right so he's at school like describing this device to me and it's like you might as well be describing something fucking magical yeah and like <laughs> to me like what like what you <laughs> so like could you like sal said like the questions that spring out of your mind when you don't have this thing in your hand or like yeah so you, so you could just like beat the game and that's it or like what like how does this fucking thing work and it became this like mythical device until we were all able to scramble over to his place that weekend and check this thing out yeah. it was like, weird. It, it, it really was super neat like it was like whoa what a what a cool thing when it worked it was it really was magical did y'all remember yeah. any like i mentioned the zelda one did any of y'all have any uh the game genie like codes or even game shark like anything that like I really can, stood uh, out to you i, I, I think i want to grab a specific pokemon that was probably the most use for I, me i think my cousin made it so he couldn't lose at street fighter so he was basically <laughs> like not taking damage <laughs> but but to add to what brad was saying you might have had your buddy pick it up during the brief period Nintendo was suing them. Canada didn't stop sales. So Game Genie had like a lot of ads that said, thank you, Canada. This was in their marketing. Yeah. yeah they in that, that little pocket of time. By that Christmas, we're talking fall here. By that Christmas, Game Genie was available in the States. Mm -hmm. And uh, we all got one for Christmas. And it was nice. most, <laughs> most triumphant. One of, the one logo of, was also like, really good logo. Very, yeah. Really good logo. Um, I, I guess I'll, I'll finish this off and I'll give you all one that really stood out to me as a kid. And, uh, uh, you know, for good reason. But there was one, could you put in these six whatever letter codes and stuff? There was a code for right. Kirby's Adventure where the code was quite literally sextit. Like S E X T I T. That was the code. Sex tit. And it'd be one thing if <laughs> it'd be one thing if that was just the code and that's why I remembered it. But the code like actually like did they like was a random enemy generator. So every enemy that appeared could just be any enemy. So again, like a modded thing. And so you could just have like a freaking boss like appear like mid level and it was wild. Uh, right. And so um yeah, ten-year-old me really appreciated the sex tip code. 
<laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, another really fun pick. And I kind of assumed that one of those was going to make this list. I'm glad it did. That was a fun conversation. We are going to move on from the Game Genie at number five with our number four pick. At number four, we have the Dreamcast VMU. <laughs> the Dreamcast Visual Memory Units, what that stands for. The best memory card ever. Um, I'm going to kind of lead into this one. Uh, I had a Dreamcast. I got one in college with my roommate. We, you know, we couldn't wait for like a PlayStation 2 or whatever it was that was coming out then. And uh, we ran out to Target and got a Dreamcast. And like you get these memory cards with it. And back then, like especially the PlayStation 1 and stuff, like you just had, it was like a, necess- a necessity. Like you had to get a memory card so that you could like save your shit, like and save your games. And, like it wasn't like it is today where you can put it all on the cloud. Like you had to have these little cards. And and they had a tiny amount of memory. Like I think the VMU had like a megabyte. Like I'm not even exaggerating. I think that's what it was. And um, but this one was like, it was like one of those things. Like looking back on, it's like why did they do this? Right? Like (laughs) why did they do this? So like the controller for the Dreamcast, this big ass bulky controller, had this kind of like space in the middle of it. You know, there was like this little window. And you would slide this memory card into your controller and it had this little digital screen on it. And um, it would, for a lot of games like that you would play, like it would just, like all it would show on the screen was like just the logo for whatever game you were playing. Like, which was kind of cool, you know, again, like a completely unnecessary thing, but it was like, oh, look, there's the logo. Like, this is a game I'm playing. But for some games, it like did things. Like, it actually was, like, a functional, weird thing on the controller. Um, like a mini HUD in some games, right? Like, yeah, like, oh, uh, what am I... Dino Crisis, yeah. health condition, and ammo count. And, yeah. Resident, and the Resident <laughs> Evil 2 port. Um, yeah. Like, like an EKG readout, right? It gave you your HUD on the controller, so yeah, you could just, like, look down at it and see, like, you know... I mean, you were just looking at your statuses, your health and stuff. And that was really cool. Some of the ones that really stood out to me, though, um, I really loved. We played. I don't know why we even got it. I think it was just the graphics looked so cool at the time. But like, we got Virtua Tennis, which I will stand as one of the best Dreamcast games ever made. It was such a good tennis game. And if you if you had the VMU put in while you're playing that game, it did this wild thing where it like recreated the entire tennis match going on in the game but like in wireframe with like little stick figures like like running around like if you wanted to you could actually just look at the stick figures and play tennis like stick figure style like on your controller and like not even look at your screen at all I mean nobody would ever do that because like who doesn't want to look at um oh man who was like some of the uh they had like old school characters on that it wasn't like uh, it was it wasn't even like Nadal and Federer, Federer back then there was like um oh, it, no, they geez. weren't they weren't on that i don't even remember who they it was. were they may have been just starting out they may have been like kind of rookies or up and coming at that point i think jim uh, i think jim courier was in there and he was my go-to because he was like a well-rounded like american um but they yeah i mean that's just like one example uh there's like countless other ones 
And but like the, one that you're gonna you're sad that didn't make the list is that did have a, a thing it did for Seaman. Oh, I know. I'm all aware of that. Yeah, I remember that one. It, <laughs> it, it would talk to it. it. Had a microphone. The micro. Well, the Seaman microphone was my number one choice. It was nominated, and yes, spoiler, did not make it on this list. I would have loved to have talked in depth about that fucking weird game and the like. How you would just be like, "Hey, Seaman." <laughs> Gee, man, how's it going? I love you. And he'd be like, I am leaving. You know, <laughs> that's the weirdest. <laughs> anybody doesn't know that. Fish man, not right? a f- I'm not going to go and I could go into a see my diatribe. I'm not going to do that. But anybody who hasn't played or doesn't know anything about that game, like go like watch some videos on Seaman. That is the weirdest, weirdest game. It's fascinating. <laughs> yeah. It's fascinating. I can't believe that game exists. Uh, but yes, it did have a, the VMU <laughs> did have like a little screen that would, Kind of, I think, confirm, um, like if you know, Seaman acknowledged you or so. It had like different prompts uh, on it. But the coolest thing about the VMU, and I, again, I just cannot believe they did this. It's kind of like the like some of the other things where it's just like, why? If you took the thing out, it was its own little like mini console, like with a D pad and buttons, and mm-hmm. you could like. Play games on You could link them together. Click click them together and play games together. Like, cool. It had like... Chow Adventure for Sonic Adventure. Had a little speaker on it. You're talking about this like tiny little thing. And there were like some games. I remember... um, Did you say Sonic Adventure? Is that when you just... It said Sonic Adventure had the Chow Adventure. Chow. uh, Chow Raising minigame. Like the little Tamagotchi thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, And that was... That was fun. That was cool. Um, I mean, it was it was a very bittersweet device because like those kind of things were always fascinating that that they were there and that people put time and effort into like making reality. But I mean, it definitely had some very real downsides. Uh, I remember one of them. I was a big Shinmu fan, and. Um, I remember when the Shin when Shimu came out, it came with like a disc that had like a whole kind of VMU like collection thing you could do with it. But just to like get everything you needed onto the VMU, it took up like I feel like it took up like seventy percent of all of the space on the thing. And again, <laughs> you're you're trying to also use the thing to save your games, right? So like you can't have like 70% of your memory card taken up with like weird little Shinmu like one and a half second animations. Like, so it didn't have much space. And it also took those like really annoying like batteries that are like made for like. I don't watches. know. Yeah, like yeah, like watch pad, like those like weird flat circular ones that are expensive, and it destroyed those things at such a pace that it was like made it almost impossible to spend much time like playing it as its own little console. It was fine like hooked into the controller, you know. It wasn't like using up really any battery life when you did that. But if you took it out for any reason, like it was not gonna like for like the Sonic Adventure things, like you said, like the Chow thing. It, it it was pretty it, it would drain it pretty fast so anyway i, I think I've, I, I thought it was so cool as a kid man so cool I, I, yeah i think i didn't have a uh, dreamcast i had one of those friends that had every console 
And even though I wasn't using it all the time, I was like, that is just... And it looked like the natural, like, evolution of the N64's bottom peripheral yeah. attachment. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, I like what you're doing. I'm going to try something different. Put it up front. Let's see what people make. I think it's yeah. great. It was just oh, so... It was really cool. It was just so Sega at the time, right? Like, yeah. you know, when Sega was still making consoles, and it was just weird and unnecessary, but, like, great. They had to do something to stand out, right? like, in that yeah. generation. They were in trouble. Well, and they had come... Yeah. This all kind of came... Console. This all kind of came fresh off of the success of the Nintendo 64, right? So, mm -hmm. um... And the Nintendo 64 was doing weird things that worked like that. So I think Dreamcast was like, let's take like Nintendo 64 weird stuff up a notch and make this so we're going to make a Game Boy that goes into your controller like fuck, that's wild <laughs> and we're going to make it and we're going to make it connect to the internet too yeah I yeah. mean which was like whoa yeah, I didn't, I I'm like I'm like Sal I didn't own one but I had a buddy and uh, we played a lot of Dreamcast you could just uh, you could throw any burned disc into that thing they didn't give a fuck. Yeah, yeah, that was a great console. <laughs> that probably would kill it. Yeah. <laughs> um, probably, yeah, probably. I miss it. I, w I wish Sega was still making consoles because they made some of my favorites, and um, Dreamcast was definitely one of them for for stuff like this. Game Gear. <laughs> that was my favorite. The Game Gear you know, TV like adapter didn't make it, unfortunately. <laughs> it's a fucking game, uh, Dreamcast. I'm actually surprised there wasn't enough uh, people on the on the voting that mentioned the Bleem emulator, because uh -huh. the Dreamcast was able to play PlayStation games, which also pissed off Sony, mm -hmm. because they just pop in that disc, it does whatever it needs to, and then you switch it out, put it the. Uh, I, I thought that was insane. The Dreamcast seemed like the best console, and I just picked the wrong one <laughs> for Christmas. The, the success of the PlayStation Two, I think, definitely did have a lot to do with the Dreamcast failing. So mm -hmm. they were contemporary, right? That was. Was PlayStation Two, GameCube, and Dreamcast? No, or... Dreamcast was slightly before, wasn't it? Like Dreamcast yeah. hit, and then it was GameCube and PlayStation Two were like right there at the same time. I know. Yeah, it came out nine nine ninety nine. Right? I know that I Dreamcast know. was first because my yeah. I was it was my my freshman year of college, and I remember specifically like meeting my roommate, realizing that he was also like a gamer, and then and then basically pooling our um the money our parents were giving us for college together to go buy the thing because there was nothing else like like new consoles out at the time it was definitely the first and that's how we ended up with the Dreamcast. you know ended up playing um soul caliber and nfl 2k and shinmu and all of the crazy, crazy taxi, taxi. Yeah, all the things <laughs> yeah, on there. crazy taxi was awesome yeah, we love that thing we 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 wore that out all right we have worn out the VMU. That's a really fun one. Really great one at number four. Happy that made the list. Definitely one of my favorite peripherals. We are going to move this uh, along some more, and we're going to go on to our number three pick. At number three, kind of hinted to this, it's the Rumble Pack. <laughs> Nintendo 64. We're going to turn this one over to Sal to talk about the Rumble Pack and the weird stuff that Nintendo was doing pre-dreamcast <laughs> and i'm gonna turn it over to the cat that hopped on my lap yeah. hank tell us about the rumble pack by the way the cat All like right. stepping on your keyboard is another um kind of call forward <laughs> oh <this episode. laughs> look at that we're just filled with them today Calls a lot of hints yeah the the rumble pack 
uh, was uh, a Nintendo first by a few months creation. They, I think, were June or July in the U.S. and then April in Japan. So when it came out, I, l- I was looking through a bunch of reviews from the time, and it was people liked it. They were kind of confused by it, and they all said in one way or another it was gimmicky, like in an almost cast-off kind of way, like cool, but who's gonna wanna? Who's gonna care about this? This isn't maybe not gonna stick around. And uh, for those that don't know, the Rumble Pack fit into the N64's bottom slot. It was one of the few peripherals. I don't know what else. Uh, memory really card. Yeah, they had, a, yeah, they had a memory card memory, too. Memory card and the Pokemon Pikachu. Hey, Pikachu, I think. Was and then it. sometimes they'd have a memory card with a Rumble Pack, but that wasn't Nintendo. It was like a Mad Cat's one yeah. that you're like, do you want your saves in six months? Because we might not guarantee that they're gonna stay there. But you plug <laughs> that in, and it was one of the first. Uh, I don't. It's not haptic, but just response vibrations the that, that uh you got to experience in games it was bundled with copies of the was it star fox star fox originally 64, yeah game uh, and then uh and then uh golden eye and a few eye. other games ended up making it like popular because you could feel golden eye was in the, the best. game just a little more yeah it was amazing like when you fired off that you got it too much when you fired off like Sorry. that ak and it was like like you could feel like yeah you're like whoa like that's yeah awesome yeah. So freaking cool, and then three months or four months go by, I think November, and DualShock comes out. PlayStation was like, okay, this there's something to this. And not to go too far, but here we are in modern day times, and we have the haptic feedback on the Sony controller, which yeah. kind of changed the game. It isn't using the motor anymore, it's speakers. It's using like basically tiny little speakers oh, for sound. Yeah, no, and that's really why you that. can feel the texture of some earth. But... Before, in the before times, the prehistoric rumble was just a little motor off. I think it's always or, or usually like an off-balance motor, which is why yep. you get the, yeah. the 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 feel. And yeah, it's one of those things that now I I think I can't go through a game without at least seeing if rumble's not working right. or if somehow I'm having an issue. You know, it's like if I'm not feeling rumble, it's like something's missing. Yeah. Something's missing from the experience. It just yeah. puts you in the world a little better, a little more. Uh, I know there's some people that don't prefer it, but they didn't vote. Yeah. <laughs> they clearly didn't vote because it's number three. Yeah. I, this, this, this made a huge impact on gaming. As you already see, you brought up the PlayStation DualSense controller and its haptic feedback, and that's just the ultimate culmination of where it is at the moment. We don't know how far the sense it, the bringing in the senses to what you're controlling is going to go, but it all started with this. The, the, yeah. the first time you picked this up, as Hunter said, with the AK-47 Goldeneye, that was, there was nothing like it. You, you, yeah. you just all of a sudden, like, there is feeling to my game besides, like, emotional feels, and it, it completely yeah. changed the landscape. I think it worked and continues to work because it it only adds to the experience. It, there's nothing about it that's detracting from the experience at all. Like, you know, you're... You're still pushing the buttons. You're still playing the game. You're still just holding a controller, you know, but it just adds like another layer to, you know, even if it seems superficial, like who cares? It's just fun. It's shaking. Like if it makes you feel like you're doing something, you know, it makes you feel like your controller, like, you know, is like along for the ride with you. And I definitely like GoldenEye was the one that I remember, like when you would fire that thing and have it like bump in your hand, just like it's a cool sensation and um 
that curve, yeah, to the dual sense is amazing because I love like I've been playing The Last of Us 2 remastered on the PlayStation 5. I mentioned that earlier. And you know, one of the things they added for that remaster is a lot of uh, the uh, dual sense like haptic feedback into it. And so when you like pull the bolt the bow back and let go of it and it like it actually like like releases the tension and it's just cool. It's just I love that yeah. like that that was introduced and that that's where we are today. And it was very awkward looking, and it like unlike the Dreamcast VMU, which like fit nicely and like had like a nice aesthetic. I mean, the uh, the Rumble Pack was ugly as shit. Like it looked <laughs> awful. It looked like a big old fat penis hanging off the bottom of your <laughs> controller. It was so weird. <laughs> Just slap this brick onto the back yeah. of this yeah. already, already awkward controller that you hold like in an uneven way. Well, and as, it, a, as a sorry, no, no, so no. Weird. it didn't. It didn't. Also, it didn't use the uh, the weird like flat batteries. You just used fl- like straight up double A's for that yeah. thing, and it, yeah. it lasted a while. So yeah, I think uh, it was like eighty to ninety hours for some some games. It lasted a good while, and I like that it added a little bit of weight to my tiny sixth grade hands. Uh, <laughs> and like you said, you know, Goldeneye in certain games, I don't think I could go back and play a racing game without having a rumble at the very least. Yeah, you can't play Metal Gear Solid without having a rumble. Really? You gotta get, you gotta yeah. get that massage. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's after the tapping, right? When you're like prisoner. Yeah, you're yeah. Tortured. Yeah. That's so weird. All right. Well. That's a that's a really fun one. I like that one. It's got like some good history to it. Um, but we are going to go even farther back in time. Uh, mm-hmm. Moving on to our number, yeah. <laughs> moving on to our number two pick. At number two, we have the Duck Hunt Zapper from Nintendo. I mean, even if you didn't have one of these, you know what we're talking about. You've seen it in movies. It was uh, featured in Eight Bit Christmas, I think, most recently. Really good movie, by the way. But um, we've got to turn it back to somebody who definitely lived through this at the time. So we're going to give this one to Brad. Brad, tell us what makes a Duck Hunt Zapper such a cool, funky peripheral. Well, uh, the NES Zapper is a light gun accessory for the NES and the Famicom. Uh, It was designed by famed Nintendo developers like uh, Gunpei Yokoi who invented the Game Boy basically in- invented like this thing for the Nintendo uh, it was uh, produced by the legendary R&D 1 unit like we're talking like classic Nintendo I mean this thing started getting bundled with NES consoles in October of 85 it launched it on Famicom in 84 uh, so it came out with uh, the one color scheme, like the double, like gray, like uh, light gray and uh, dark gray, uh, and then they. You, some of you might have had the orange one. Orange one. Uh, they started putting that one in 1989 after the federal toy gun law of '88 was signed into law. So, like any kind of toy gun needed to re- like have like big, you know, orange parts on it. Right. Anyway. Uh, it, um, if you have, has anyone seen the uh, Japanese version of the Zapper? It's uh, it's actually modeled after a cult single action army. Um, oh wow, that's yeah, a crazy! Is, that's the that's the gun that Revolver Ocelot carries in the Metal Gear games, like that <laughs> giant that giant revolver. Um, you know, I guess they just don't have the same laws over there. And uh, so anyway, this thing works uh, with light, right? So it's actually based on technology they started putting out in 71. 
uh, with their light beam gun toys that they used to sell, like which predates Nintendo's foray into video games by like a, like a decade, pretty much here. Um, so the zapper would work by recognizing like varied levels of light. Um, if you look really carefully when you squeeze the trigger of a zapper, um, you'll see the screen go, uh, for one frame it goes black. And any targets that are available on the screen will show up as a white hitbox. Uh, and uh, the frames will cycle through this black screen and these white hitboxes. If the zapper gun detects like a white space, then it, it knows it's a hit. If it hits the one of the black spaces, it knows it's a miss. Um, so yeah, you know, like kind of like a cool little piece of tech there. Uh, but really, what it comes down to with the zapper is the games. You know, I think most of us remember Duck Hunt uh, came bundled in. You know, I think uh, many a Christmas morning was uh, uh, spent uh, shooting. Uh, video game ducks and trying to seek revenge on the cackling dog that would laugh at you when you couldn't Fucking shoot dog, the ducks. Man. <laughs> right, so I think like a certain generation of people have like super fond memories of games like Duck Hunt, but there were more. I don't know if anyone's ever played uh, Gumshoe. Yeah, uh, that's that an interesting one. one. It's, it's like an infinite runner, like one of the originals, but you shoot the character to make it jump. So you. Uh, <laughs> I remember right. the game. Yep, Hogan's Alley. Hogan's Alley, definitely remember that. Hell yeah. Yeah, and then you've got Wild Gunman. Which, Wild uh, Gunman. Strangely, that's one I was yeah, hoping you'd enough, it's the, uh, That's the arcade game Marty McFly plays in yep. the Cafe 80s and Back to the Future Part 2. And uh, remember the kids called it a baby toy. Um, <laughs> so, you know, another funny, just like stupid random trivia thing. Um, do you remember the cartoon Captain and the Game Master? Yes. Do you, you remember that cartoon? Yeah. So it used to air on Saturday mornings and it had like Simon Belmont in it and like Mega Man who had like a weird like throaty voice. Like it was like the weirdest, <laughs> like most ripped off like Nintendo, but like officially licensed like cartoon. You could tell the people who made it had no idea who these characters were, but Captain N used to use the zapper as it has his like, you know, his sidearm weapon. He had like the NES controller for the belt that he could affect like the video game world with like presses of the buttons and stuff uh so yeah the nes zapper like you know really made its way into uh you know it like really was a big part of what nintendo was at the time again you know nintendo came through and saved the games from like the atari crash uh earlier in the decade so and, and the way they did that was to bundle up things like rob the robot and the zapper and you know convince toy stores that this wasn't a video game that this was a toy Right. Uh, you know, so something like that, you know, like a laser light game, you know, uh, definitely helped move consoles when people were like, you know, why would I buy another Atari? It's, you know, just, you know, they had license problems where, you know, like almost every game you bought from Atari was absolute garbage. So people were like, yeah, the video game thing is over. Yeah. You know, so Nintendo swung in with this gun and this robot, and it's like, look, it's a toy, and like single handedly saved games, you know? Yeah. Uh, so you, you kind of uh, you kind of owe the zapper something, just like you owe Rob something in that way. Yeah, I didn't even know that. Yeah, yeah that's good. The trackpad. No love for the trackpad. <laughs> the trackpad, trackpad was dominating. Yeah, it, it got some votes. That came bundled too, so that was part of the appeal. You know, it's a toy. It's something you're doing. It's not just a computer game. It's something were... you use your hands for to beat track and field with. Yeah, track and field too with gun compatible. <laughs> Operation. Wolf, I was talking about uh, the pad. <laughs> oh yeah, no. The, 
Yeah, but the gun uh, worked in track and field too. Was gun like a, have you ever played Bayou Billy with a second player using the gun? <laughs> no. There's functionality for that, dude. That's like, crazy. It, there's a lot of there's a lot of cool stuff that people didn't realize. Is there's that. a lot of really good yeah. games. I think that it's important, like, just a, to focus a little bit on like how big Duck Hunt was um, mm -hmm. with this game because. I think Nintendo's always been, from all the way back to this date, very good, uh, and we discussed this a little bit earlier, at making things that everybody gets. Like, you don't have to know anything about video games, how to control video games or anything, to understand this is a, a, a light gun, you point it at the ducks, you pull the trigger. Like, this was the one game that definitely, like, parents, siblings grandparents would like be like let me have that thing you know like everybody yeah. loved to stand back and shoot at the ducks hate the hate on that dog and it was just like a good time it like actually brought like families together to like just do this thing and then of course you did have like you know when nobody's looking you get like right up on the screen just like, meow, 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 you know, like, <laughs> like you're some kind of just marksman from point blank range but um they, it was like the same like phenomenon as like what we bowling have, where it was like you pick up the thing, you swing it like a ball, and you're bowling. Like there's no complication to that. And um, Duck Hunt was just a very simplistic game. Ducks show up, you shoot at the ducks, the dog shows you how many you got. Repeat basically. Um, and uh, yeah, but it was it was just like some like dumb mindless fun that everybody could get around and and have fun doing. But it would not, and, and Brad discussed like the uh, the actual functionality, how this thing functioned earlier. It would not have worked if the thing didn't work. If it wasn't like accurate, like if it wasn't like no, you know, yeah. like you had people who were the best. At all. Yeah, the, the, you had yeah. people that were absolutely like the best shots in your house using this thing um, because, yeah. like, it really, it really did kind of function as an accurate light gun, and you can't even use it on TVs anymore because you, you don't get those scan no. lines. So there's, there's you get that delay too, input yeah. delay. Yeah, even when they figure out how to do it, it's still at a delay. Have you uh, just out of curiosity, have you looked into what it takes to play like that kind on a monitor? TV, no. the, like what what those guns cost is like with no delay and they work on your flat screens like totally ridiculous like three hundred bucks. That's crazy. You know, I'd rather if I'm gonna spend that kind of money, I'm getting Steel Battalion. <laughs> yeah, might as well. Most All right. Well, thanks for that uh, trip, like into like video game history. There, um, really great, obvious pick. With a duck hunt zapper, I actually thought this had a really strong shot at being number one, but it wasn't. It was number two. So, without further ado, let's move on to the number one funky peripheral. <laughs> and number one, it's Guitar Hero Controller. Guitar Hero. Oh, oh let's get it Um. Audio people, <laughs> Zach and I both broke out our guitar heroes. Uh, I have to give Zach the credit for having the classier looking guitar hero. His actually well, looks like a guitar. Mine, mine's the new. It was the um one of the newer ones. I actually still prefer that older one. But yeah, I mean, I got just the classic. This is actually one made for the, the Wii. Iconic. 
it's so this got one, the Wii less this one actually the, uh, has the Wii slash one like controller in it, and yeah. um, but but work great. Um, you know, we actually still break the thing out and play with it every once in a while because, um, in a similar vein, uh, to the Zapper and some other things, like you don't you don't have to know anything about video games or how to control them to know. Here's a guitar. Here's some colorful buttons. And um, anyway, I I I got to turn this. I I'm taking Zach's uh, thunder here because uh, <laughs> this is this is Zach's thing. Uh, we're gonna actually let Zach talk about this one. But this is such a cool one. This I mean this this is number one. This is the best. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm gonna start this off uh, talking actually a little bit about something prior to Guitar Hero, which is just that. Rhythm games in general have been kind of a fan favorite for a long time. Um, comes to mind like Parappa the Rappa was just a classic game. People love rhythm games. It as I said, it doesn't take having a deep love for video games or anything for those. They're just fun. You get up there, you play something, you listen to music, you're like going along with it, you feel like you're included in it. It is just it's an experience that's not like other styles of games because it is very accessible it is something that anyone can do and anyone can enjoy um first time i was ever introduced to guitar hero and the guitar hero controller was when i was i don't know 11 years old off at a summer camp summer golf camp for um like the month for the summer months because parents like to send us off and get rid of us for the summer and we had a, a night where they pulled out a projector and they put up, they had a PlayStation two and they pulled up guitar hero. And I was like, what the hell is this? I haven't even seen this before. And they had the guitars and every single kid in that camp was lining up to play because it was just the most fun way to include everyone. Everyone have a good time. People were dancing to fun music. Like it was just a blast. And it all came down to, they made something fun to play with that everyone can use. Mm -hmm. There was nothing. It, there was nothing extreme about the controllers. There's nothing weird about them. As I said, on the original ones, there's five colored buttons and a fret. Yeah. So just strum. That's it. You had you had a whammy bar or whatnot, but that was it. You could pick it up. You could look at a screen. You could tap to the beat, and you could play a song. And it was just a ton of fun. Everyone always wanted to do it. They, we forced them to have this night like twice a week while I was there. So we could just <laughs> keep going and playing it. Um, and then when I got off to going to, I went to a boarding school up in Virginia for high school, like people had these in their rooms and this was just a, this was an every other night of the week. You go to someone's room, you'd hang out, you pick up a guitar and you'll just pass around playing guitar hero. While everyone chatted um people pull off some crazy song on expert difficulty and you're like damn that's nuts yeah, people were good never at seen it people's people were yeah. good at it and like i remember walking to some kid's room and he was just sitting there not he didn't have it on his tv he didn't have anything going but he was sitting there and he was just playing on his guitar and i was like what are you doing he's like oh i'm practicing for this specific song without even like seeing the notes on the screen i'm like what the hell man but yeah um absolute wow. bonkers controller um i wish that they kind of hadn't changed it uh personally so if hunter holds up his controller you'll see the those five buttons uh the five color ones on the newer ones what they did instead was they actually have six buttons 
So it's only three lines right here, but you had six buttons. The reason for this was they would have you hold different buttons and Fort. and fret and do it across the entire thing. Yeah, so they barcode, barcode. That's right. Um, so they would have you do. It was a little bit more complicated and actually felt like a little closer to trying to play guitar because you have to do that. You have to hold your hand in somewhat awkward positions at times to play a guitar. Um, it, it was fun, but I feel like it lost some of the joy that kind of came with that original Guitar Hero guitar, which was just kind of arcadey and just joyful. The simplicity and, yeah. of it was nice. And uh, yeah. I think one of the things that made it so successful and so awesome was that just from a game development standpoint, they nailed two very important things. One was the learning curve was perfect. Like... If you played on like a beginner level, it was like you're going to use three of these buttons. It's going to like come real slowly. You know, you're going to kind of get used to that. And then you can kind of move up to like four. And like before you know it, within like a few hours, like you're just smashing like the, the normal difficulty. And like the notes are flying at you and you're like hammering on notes. Like there's some real guitar stuff in there, right? Like you, you know, like you like you would like learn some of the, the strats where you could like basically do like a strum, but like hammer on like six or seven mm -hmm. notes just by like smashing the buttons and uh oh man the learning curve was perfect and um the other thing they nailed is with every one of the games like they just got the music right like they put the yeah, right yeah. they just put the right music into those things where it always felt like like you were playing those games in like dorm rooms and stuff because like it was you know like a um a just different way to have music play like that yeah. was entertaining. So yeah, they nailed those things. The accessibility was freaking awesome. And yeah. uh, I was in a doing real music around the time, not real music, but I was performing and playing real bass with bands uh, around the time this came out. And a lot of times after shows, even at parties, I'd come back from Soma with lower definition at one of their houses and, They'd all be lined up playing Guitar Hero while there's people that just saw them on stage like uh -huh. sell out. Like <laughs> they're like, no, no, but this is this is super fun. <laughs> and one thing that I I loved about it was the first time I played it, it didn't make sense to me because someone's like, oh, you never played this? Play on easy. Easy simplifies it and makes it easy. But if you already have like kind of like a musical brain, you're yep. actually better off starting on the expert yeah. or hard difficulties because you're not you're not hitting a block of music where there's no, like no notes, yeah. yeah that's for the simpler it's just to get you the sense of rhythm yeah. a little bit but if you knew you'd be like oh i kind of get it on the harder difficulties yeah. like you're yeah, hitting I, like I, all I, the notes man it, i didn't play a lot it, but i enjoyed it it was like it was like uh intimidating like when you just have like you'd be like looking up a little bit and you'd have just a, a, a flurry <laughs> of like notes coming your way and you're like, holy crap, here we go. And you're like, like, and you know, unless you memorize it, you're just kind of trying to like play it, uh, somewhat, whatever by ear. But, um, yeah. yeah. Brad, were you going to say something? I thought. Um, no, it's cool. Um, but like, yeah, what Sal was saying is true. Um, I, I played in a band and yelled at people in dive bars for a really long time. <laughs> and, um, we often during this era would come home sweaty from the club and you know just gross and just leave like, drop our stuff in the basement and uh play guitar hero until so funny five or six in the morning you know <laughs> like and yeah it was just a thing to do to unwind you know it was uh good times you know i 
if there's anything I remember about Guitar Hero and Rock Band was uh, just those that that guitar getting passed around at a party. Like, yeah, yeah. it's the best what, party that game. Just define that best, era, man. Best party game ever. Like we, I remember I we got. Be, I got I in trouble like at one party because like my then wife at the time like couldn't find me and she like. She like she like came into the room where there was there was like thirty of us in there playing Guitar Hero, and she's like, "Where the hell have you been?" And I was like, "I was like literally on the guitar. I was like, please leave me alone right now." I'm like, (laughs) "I'm trying to nail Metallica right now." And the thing is, like, when you have that many people at a party, like watching you, like, uh, you know, when you're absolutely nailing it, like you feel on top of the world. Yeah. And then when you Mm -hmm. miss a note, like they, the most perfect, the most perfect sound ever like they weren't just gonna let yeah. you get by with yeah. like oh you missed that one like minus like however many points and it was like yeah. like you were just like everybody was like whoa whoa what, ha- what happened yeah. to that and yeah. like it was humiliating yep. so it gave the, there were some real stakes in a crowd when you when you was your turn on the on the axe there you know <sighs> i uh i was thinking of a different list that it could fit for and it probably would be number one there as well but the number one gateway peripheral <laughs> yeah people played it and were like you know what i'm gonna try actual guitar they made rocksmith yeah. like specifically because of that phenomenon Rocksmith is amazing yeah yeah that's such a cool idea donkey congas <laughs> would be number two for drugs donkey congas. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is with with all of this one one thing i feel like that cements this as our number one especially is that you know you made something special when South Park has something to say about it. <laughs> yeah. And that's one of the funniest... That, for me, yeah. is one of the funniest South Park episodes because was it Stan and Kyle get into Guitar Hero and they're sitting there and getting really good at it and Stan like gets approached by an agent to go play Guitar Hero <laughs> professionally. <laughs> as his dad, like as uh, Randy pulls him into the garage, he's like, you know, you could use all that time to spend and learn how to play that plastic guitar to learn how to play like this. And he just goes into this ridiculous like guitar solo and the kids are like, eh, that's they- boring. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Didn't uh, didn't Kenny get hooked on heroin hero? Yeah, <laughs> yeah he did. Jesus. Um, but yeah, just we want to talk about kind of where it led to also. You're talking about Rocksmith and like all these other things. Like you had Guitar Hero, which then led to uh rock band where everyone could join in with different instruments. You have someone singing, um oh, yeah. Playing, yeah, playing the drums, someone on a keyboard, uh someone playing the guitar. Um DJ Hero. Did it Yeah, DJ Hero also. I rock band one of those games was doing weekly releases of music packs till yeah. like this week yeah. mm-hmm. no way they still, yeah, was, I, yeah the so whole guitar hero thing has led to um clone hero which is like a pc like version of guitar hero where like people actually i mean this there are another thing that's kind of hard to come by people will pay good money if you have like a like a ps3 like usb plug-in um like PC compatible guitar because like Clone Hero is very big. Where basically you can put any In music. Fortnite. Oh, okay. I don't know about Fortnite, but uh, it's still it's still going strong. Like people like custom made these guitars specifically because uh, there's a big Clone Hero community of just like you can basically program any song to work with it. So it's like never ending yeah, Guitar cool. Hero. Yeah. So I see people doing that with movies, and they'll sit there and they'll play Guitar Hero for <laughs> entire movies like. <laughs> audio track <laughs> and so it's funny. pretty funny um yeah all right well i mean i'm so glad that's that's that really is a very obvious number one it's maybe like like the only one that i felt 
like was like really could outdo Steel Battalion after Bob's take. And uh, and now I'm going to channel my inner Wes here and just be like, hey, guys, we did it. We did. <laughs> we did the top 10. We, we, we did. You we, want to recap? We we miss we miss you, Wes. Um, uh, so I'm trying to do my best here uh, with my hosting duties and uh, make sure I get some good West type lines there. But yeah, let's do a quick recap of the top ten. Um, so uh, number ten, we had Nintendo Labo. Number nine, the Steel Battalion controller. Number eight, Ring Fit Adventure controller. Number seven, the uh, Pokewalker. Number six, the Wormlight. Five Game Genie, four Dreamcast VMU, three Rumble Pack, two uh, Nintendo Duck Hunt Zapper, and at number one, the Guitar Hero controller. Uh, once again, massive thank you to the community for pulling yeah. that together. That is such a fun, diverse, weird list of <laughs> gaming stuff. Um, do you want to shout out for for for? Um, the ones that came really close. There were two that were tied to be very close to making it in. I just think need uh, a mention. Uh, actually, Sal mentioned one of them a minute ago. Uh, the DK Bongos. Uh, they mm-hmm. made a very formidable effort to make it in there. And also tying with that, mentioned earlier as well, Rob the Robot also. There's, <laughs> there's uh, Brad is um, holding up the Amiibo Rob the Robot. Uh, such a cool... Like you said, like toy peripheral, very weird thing Nintendo did. Uh, we are, um, because he's such a peripheral fanboy, we're going to actually uh, give Brad like his own little uh, special okay. honorable mention segment here. We're going to call it something like, I don't remember what we agree with, like Brad's junk drawer or whatever it is. Uh, <laughs> uh, I just, you know, I actually got to kind of mention one of the quick, I was going to talk about Rob, but yeah. I kind of did, men- I did get to mention that Rob was kind of part of the Nintendo bundle that, you know, with uh, kind of that history with the, you know, the Sega, I mean, the uh, Atari Collapse, you know, like the, the, that bundle really did like bring video games back in a big way. I mean, the 80s was like a Nintendo-like decade. It just was. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And, there's no, and it's no surprise to me that this list was like heavy, heavy Nintendo. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They're the kings. You know. But uh, other kind of weird stuff, uh, uh, Famicom Disk Systems, a really neat one. Um, you know, that's like a disc add-on for the uh, Famicom, which has some really cool stuff. Uh, Super Game Boy. Uh, for Super Nintendo, allowed you to plug your Game Boy games into your Super Nintendo. Oh, I love that. Yeah, mm-hmm. Game you Boy palettes too. I think. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Game GameCube had one called Game Boy Player mm-hmm. that extended it out to um, you know like the uh, the uh, Advance era. Uh, Satellaview and like Sega Channel are really neat. Like those kind of online early online services. Uh, you know, that a lot of people haven't heard of. I won't go too deep into those. You can kind of look those up yourself. Uh, we mentioned Super Scope 6 and the Sega Menacer, like both really neat kind of like a you know, light gun. Rocket peripheral for, <laughs> Yeah, for, the, for like the 16-bit generation. Of course, uh, Sal mentioned Power Pad. Uh, I was surprised not to see Power Glove. Uh, Power Glove is like legendary. I Fuck mean, that it, thing. That a, thing's stupid. Oh, the, it's a total piece <laughs> but it's of iconic. Shit, but, that thing but was the biggest iconic. disappointment. If we did top 10 most disappointing gaming peripherals, it belongs on it. Yeah, it, it's it's shit, but it's, uh, you know, it's. Uh, it's it looked cool in magazines. Sure. 
and, uh, and on that movie, The Wizard with Fred Savage. And that sold yeah. so many of those things. That sold so many of those things. Yeah. And the last thing I want to mention that's kind of key is the Nintendo e-reader. Uh, that thing was super that was neat. cool had, looking. Like, yeah, it had functionality for like a ton of different games. But most importantly, it put brand new levels into Mario 3. Which like a lot of people don't realize there's like thirty levels that you can add wow. to Mario Three. Whoa, that's crazy! I don't think I knew yeah, that. Yeah, and but you know the uh, the one that you can get on Nintendo Switch Online actually has that those added. You can hit a button and get access to all of them. Even the Japanese only ones are available now. But for a very long time, uh, those uh, super neat uh, levels were hidden. You know behind uh, a Nintendo peripheral that kind of came and went, but. Uh, Anyway, that's about it. You know, I could pontificate for a very yeah. long time. Already, yeah, we, we decided we were going to, we had to cut you off. You know, you can start your yeah. own, like, show that just shows off weird <laughs> crap that you have collected over <laughs> the years. I might, I might have to, man. I've got a lot of stuff around <laughs> All right. Shout um, out to the link cable. <laughs> that's been, <laughs> that's, <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the Xbox S toaster. We love that thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> all right. That's been Brad's junk drawer. Uh, so yeah, we did the top ten. We'll take a take a minute here just to to go over what we're gonna do uh, next month. Uh, pretty excited about this one. I don't think anybody's actually as excited on this one as Wes has. Like when this came up, Wes is he was very high on this idea. So and I think people are gonna like it. Uh, so next month we are going to be doing top ten DLCs. So we're talking yeah. Blood and Wine, uh, the Frozen Wilds, Left Behind, stuff like that. You know, just like video game DLCs. Like what? What are the best ones out there? And I know Hunter's people. Withhold- Hunter's restraining himself. I'm not going to say it. You know, he no. wants it. <laughs> the old hunters. The old hunters. Number one. Number one. The old hunters. Uh, yeah, as many people know, I'm a massive Bloodborne fan. I will very much love to. Uh, if you watch the last episode where we did top 10 snow and ice levels, I spent probably a little too long uh, fawning <laughs> over Castle Kanehurst. Um, to me, The Old Hunters is unquestionably the best DLC ever made. But listen, there's a lot of really good ones out there. There's some that I haven't even played. Uh, I know Blood and Wine's a big one for everybody, but I actually like the other Witcher 3. Um, was it the Heart and Stone or whatever is the other DLC? Yeah. I actually like that one better personally, but um, some really good DLCs out there. And I'm sure there's some that like we're not really like even thinking about, which is why we love this community and everybody's gonna bring their best DLCs and we're gonna yeah. we're gonna rank them. We're gonna we're gonna get y'all's so, ranks and we're gonna talk about them here. Um so did you have something you want to add to that? You look like you had- yeah, I just uh- but I just wanted to thank you guys for going with the the peripherals one too, and the community for showing up because like Brad was like, we need some ideas. If you got some ideas, we'd love to hear them. And that was the only one I could think of. And I was one. so nervous that it wasn't gonna like match no up way. with what you guys you like. Hit it out of the park. Perfect. Everyone's everyone's great. comments were awesome. I love yeah. I love to see all the peripherals I didn't know existed and learn about the ones I did. I thought Sealed Battalion erased your save no matter what. Um, so I never even put it yeah. on my radar. I would have at least tried to maybe save gotta, up some money or hustle. You gotta hit your to button, it. man. You gotta fit that <laughs> yeah. eject button. Um <laughs> Yeah, it was a really good idea. And as people have, I think we described earlier, if you don't know, like um, part of our top 10 thing is trying to like come up with some 
semi-original ideas. Like it's not like nobody's ever ranked top ten DLCs, but we're trying to kind of do things that like maybe be a little bit less common, you know. And I don't think you really see a lot of like gaming peripheral top ten. So I think that was a really good option. And people had a lot of fun stuff that like, you know, not everybody had this system. People got to talk about stuff that was like kind of special to them for whatever reason. If it's a flashlight or a a full-on tank uh, dashboard, then, you know, it was, I mean, that was awesome. I I learned a lot. Even the Game Boy printer. (laughs) Yeah, Game Boy printer, too. That's a stupid, another stupid one. But, all right. So, uh, that has been the top 10. We are going to take a short break, and we're going to come back here in a little bit and talk about Gato Roboto for Indies Nuts. Be right back. Okay, welcome back. Uh, time to get into Indies Nuts. Time to get Indies Nuts. That work, huh? <laughs> uh, all right, so this month uh, we played Gato Roboto, developed by Doinksoft, uh, published by Devol- Devolver Digital. Um, it was out on PC, uh, Switch, right? So it's a... 2019 game it was on xbox one too right um sorry i'm i've realized i'm butchering a part that west would be doing very well uh but no, you're good um it came out in 2020 for xbox one but yeah okay. it debuted on switch and pc in okay fair enough uh this was our uh indies next game uh chosen by brand again just a reminder if you haven't watched this or if you haven't watched this before indies nuts is a segment where we take turns picking a indie game um uh the community sometimes will play along with us uh and so we pick that any game we play it for a month for the month um and then we kind of kind of get together and have a little mini game club you know where we you know discuss the game like what we enjoyed about it what we didn't you know just kind of getting into it a little bit a little bit of a game club segment uh so um we want to thank we actually got some good participation from some people in the community we always love that we we want to do this because we want people to be playing like the same games we are they're usually pretty short um so for the people who played we got some comments we're going to probably read out uh later on uh from people in the community but we just we really do appreciate and love when y'all play along with us um, so, uh, again, this was Brad's selection, Gato Roboto. I'm going to kind of, um, give the reins, hand the reins over to Brad to kind of intro this game, kind of tell us what it's about and why he was intrigued by it, you know, why he selected this one and we'll just get into it. So Brad, what, tell us about Gato Roboto. Uh, Gato Roboto is like the perfect Indies Nuts game, right? Because it's... <laughs> Because it's, you know, it's it's fun, but it's, you know, short and sweet and it's inexpensive yeah. and it's kind of exactly what we're looking for in this right. segment. So uh, I've had this one on the brain for, uh, for quite some uh, time. I was pretty sure this was the one I was going to pick. Uh, but uh, for the uninitiated, uh, Gato Roboto is a game that follows a cat named Kiki, uh, Kiki uh, attempting to save her owner, Gary, after they crash land on an alien planet. Uh, f- Kiki, uh, the the uh, Gary, the uh, owner of Kiki, ends up uh, stuck in the ship. You know, I, I guess as a result of the crash, and he can't move or get as get himself out of there, forcing Kiki on this adventure uh, where uh, the cat dons a mech suit and explores the depths of an alien planet. 
Um, in cat form, Kiki can like climb and jump off walls, uh, swim in the water, which makes it different than the mech in that way. Cats love uh, water. So, yeah, I know. I know they do. Uh, <laughs> you know, there's there's small gaps where, you know, the cat will have to fit through. Uh, she's unable to take any kind of damage at all uh, because uh, she dies in one hit and will explode. <laughs> she does explode. <laughs> cat bomb. Cat bomb. That's what me the first time it happened. Yeah. Yeah, sound does not uh, like sound does not like animals suffering in games. It's so it's a funny <laughs> thing with them. It makes you go like reload like saves from like an hour ago if like it means saving an animal. That was an accident. I'm sorry about that wasteland 3 man. All right, all right. <laughs> continue. Please continue, Brad. <laughs> and, uh, so at same point you're able to put Kiki into a mech suit uh, where you know you gain the ability to take more hits. Uh, you've got a gun attack, a missile attack, um you know, uh, like a screw attack, you know, Metroid style screw attack, double jump kind of thing. You know, they, they just took all the stuff you'd expect, you know, in a Metroidvania and kind of like uh, made it black and white or urine color. Yeah, or, urine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, you know, like, so uh, what I'm referring to is you kind of, you get around in the collectibles of these cassettes that allow you to change the color palette of the game to like any number of kind of legendary uh, color palettes that are out there. There's some real classics there. DOS, you know, just plain old yeah. black and white. I love Meow Tricks. It's like, yeah. it makes everything look like <laughs> Matrix. Yeah. Uh, which is neat. Um, anyway, uh, you know, you, those, those are your upgrades. You turn all those into this like frog in like a, in this like crab walker, like mech suit who uh, can impart, you know, upgrades to you like a, uh, a rapid fire and then like this uh, jump move where you can, uh, uh, you know the dash move. Uh, you can dash and then do the screw attack off of the dash, uh, and you can kind of do that infinitely and use it to like climb up things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, Kiki can discover like voice logs too. You kind of get around uh, to these computers, which is the way they kind of relay the story back to you. Uh, these recordings speak of a mad scientist obsessed with keeping his dog Barkley alive. Uh, Kiki um, uh, needs to get to the lab in the core of this, uh, you know, of this planet, and in order to do so, has to clear out all the different sectors. So you have to, uh, you know, the the, uh, the drainage system has gone haywire. You know, you need to drain everything out. You know, basically, you clear these three areas: one kind of water level, one heat level, and one where you spend most of your time as Kiki getting through these like like kind of cat and mouse like maze uh you know like i think a lot of people pull their hair out in that part but there's a there's a a really cool dynamic between the protagonist uh kiki and when we finally get to meet the uh antagonist uh the rat the rat character that continuously shows up in like different and like put you in these uh, horrible situations where you have to like run for your life from this thing uh you know so uh you you clear out the planet systems uh, you know get yourself down to the lab and the rat is eventually revealed to be the mad scientist who took it like the rat's body as its new form uh and uh then he confesses to uh 
using like a false security alert to lure Gary's ship into the planet. Of course, you made that reference earlier where Kiki accidentally touches the keyboard. Yeah, I mean, it's like the bet. That's like my favorite. Honestly, I feel like it, that was like where it peaked was like right at the beginning where it was like he's trying to control his ship and like the cat like like just walks on his controls and, like in pure cat fashion like what happens to Sal at least once a night where it's like God Hank, <laughs> like his cat's that, Hank, and that uh, happened to me twice during yeah. the stream. My yeah, cat stepped on the my cat. keyboard and muted you guys. Yeah, the cat has <laughs> the cat has made a number of appearances on Sal's screen, and I just love the fact that like the ship crash lands because a a cat just steps on buttons. Like that's like this is yeah, why you can't do. take cats into space. Like, you just well, couldn't. <laughs> it's like the end where it's like so stupid where like uh, you know. Uh, uh, the the scientist uh, in Gary, you know in Gary's body finally destroys Kiki's mech suit and then she just uses the passcode which is meow to release the dog and the dog just eats his face off and the game's <laughs> over. Like, I just love that this game does that. Like this game has a meow button. Like, the meow button is yeah. pretty funny, right? Like because it's almost not even like a like a full meow. It's like meow meow yeah, meow yeah. meow. Yeah. You can rapid fire that thing. Meow, 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 meow. Yeah, without dragging you into the weeds on it, this game is like infinitely charming to me and like totally yeah. replayable. I played this game like 15 times. It has like a niche little speedrunning community on the internet too, if you want to get into that. Uh, you know, uh, it's adorable, infinitely entertaining, uh, you know, and I really just love this game and I'm really glad you guys played along. So, any thoughts? Yeah, thanks for recommending it. Yeah, it's yeah. A, like you said, it's. Um... It's a very good Indie's Nuts choice. Uh, it took me like t like maybe two hours, 45 minutes to get through. And it, the funny thing is, like, people who know me and people listen to this show and listen to me to complain about this, I, I am like one of the world's worst game finishers. Like, with a few, with the exception of a few titles like Bloodborne, The Last of Us, Last of Us 2, those kind of games, I, I habitually do not finish games. And Indie's Nuts is probably forced me into finishing more i probably finished more indies nuts games in the seven months we've been doing this than i finish <laughs> any other game the obligation right it's well it's because it's well it's because it's a you know yes there's an obligation there that i actually want to be able to discuss it i want to capture footage for like actual like b-roll in the podcast but like they're done and over with so fast there's like such little fun you know experiences then you know it's not it's not like it's taking up but i don't have time honestly to lose interest in it and uh this game was i mean it was like a short and sweet little cat metroid you know like it definitely like from the you know the metroidvania side of things it definitely felt more metroid to me than anything you know discovering yeah. parts of the map like the moves were almost like copy paste a lot of them out of metroid like one of the yeah. the, the exceptions to that like, that you talked about i really did love the times where it was like no you gotta get out of the suit now and just be like the most vulnerable little cat like touch anything yeah. and explode you know because right. you, you would find these health upgrades and the mech suit just basically became this op thing where it's like i'm never right. dying in this right i got like 15 health you know and um you get you get used to the controls and like but the juxtaposition between controlling that mech and just having this cat and you just basically has regular cat controls like aside from being able to <laughs> climb any wall as high as they want to get um 
it was a very it was a nice kind of like change of pace in the way that you were playing it uh, but I love Metroid, so, you know, finding upgrades, like, you know, like helping that get you to new areas. I love the fact that they, like, did what you said, which is, you know, anybody who's played a Metroid knows, I'm going to figure out a way to get up to that thing now. Like, whether it's, like, you know, ball bombing yourself up a wall or something like this game, when I, when I realized I could, like, dash jump, like, shoot a rocket, rocket propel yeah. me, propel me yeah. to the other side, I was like, that's... I mean, who doesn't love that? Like, that's one yeah. of the things that's so appealing about Metroid is being able to kind of like, like control, figure out your way into like a new spot, a new area. So I had blast with it. I mean, I actually did also. I mean, was, uh, I liked kind of the monochromatic, monochromatic style, like just kind of swapping palettes. I mean, it was always only one color, right? So you never ended up with like, uh, like anything other than one color, but. I think the one, if I was going to pick a favorite, and I don't know why I like this one, but the one that, like, I forget what they called it, but it was the one that mimicked the, the Virtual Boy, right? Oh, oh, uh, I know I mean, the one, but I, it, it has had, a funny name. Yeah, it does have a funny name. Oh, I'm, I'm sad I can't remember it now. I mean, me it, too. Maybe it'll come to me. Maybe you can look it up or something. I don't know. I'll, but I'll look it up. It had the best representation anybody who stuck their face in one of those eye searing uh not virtual reality things <laughs> like knows that that was like it virtual was like cat palette virtual <laughs> uh virtual was, cat right virtual cat right exactly i mean it was like looking into lasers and this thing did such a perfect job of like being that exact color of just eye searing red i couldn't keep it on for long but when i had it on i was like really happy with it the palette, the palette swap just kind of gave it like a, a nice new little vibe. It didn't change the game in any meaningful way, but it gave you a fun thing to collect. I love grape. Yeah, that's mine too. Grape, <laughs> yeah. grape was my my go-to once I yeah. got it. I don't think I found grape. Oh, Same no. here. Yeah. Grape is like the last one you get, and it's just purple. Uh, second to last. Uh, second to Tamagot last. The Tamagato is in the incubator. That's, yeah. that's the last one. Uh, it's the it's in the ventilation area. Yeah, it's just everything's purple. <laughs> it's just I don't know. I mean, again, like it's I feel just... like I'm, I can see it in my brain. I just didn't, I didn't yeah. happen to find I, that. I would pick you as a Meowtrix player myself. Meowtrix. Yeah, like Meowtrix yeah. a lot. Meowtrix was cool. I, yeah. I, I used. Uh, I'm trying to find the name. It was you found it in the Aqueduct port palette. It was navy blue and mm -hmm. orange. That's the one I played with the most. And I thought my second monitor was failing because after an hour and a half of playing the game, I looked over to just like a Reddit or Discord and all the colors were off. Every color was off. Every white was like a little teal. It was doing that oh, optical man. illusion yeah. effect where you stare at a Mess grid of a certain head. color. It was so crazy and it took a while for my eyes to like wash it out, but I was so into the game. Was, um, I also, yeah. I think I got two, two hours and 30 minutes, but it only tracks certain areas when you're in the robot, right? Because I think I played the game closer to maybe four hours, right. three hours. Yeah. Like whatever time, but. Yeah, I think it only counts your time in the back. Oh, that's I interesting. So I don't fun. think I realized that. I, I probably did play yeah. quite a bit longer than two. I probably played like, like you said, like four hours of it. Then it yeah. felt like a little bit longer. I'm sure once I go back and look at the footage of it, I'll realize like, oh yeah, no, I captured like four really hours like of the, footage. The mini gauntlets, like it introduced a new enemy by like locking you in, you know, 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. The head like Metroid a, or Mega Man style. Yeah, like you Mega have to Man, defeat yeah. them but learn. Yeah. Did, did anyone else think it was like a Mega Man game before you got into it? Were you expecting more Mega Man and were uh, surprised that it was Metroid? Because I had no idea. And Dan, one of our friends, was just saying he expected a Mega Man style game instead. Oh, this is a good I time to read. This is a good time yeah. to like segue into yeah. reading Dan's commentary. He did he did leave us some? He played along with oh. us. So Dan, the DM, Dan Gieslin, Dan uh, Aviator. God, he's got a lot of nicknames. Does he deserve that many nicknames? I don't know. <laughs> our friend Dan, he played and he said his first comment. I think was spot on. He goes, this Gato Robato is demonstrating clearly to me just how much I suck at platformers. So that's his first thought on the game. And then he said, uh, I put about three hours into it. The cat being able to meow was pretty much all that kept me going. (laughs) (laughs) And then I watched a bunch of, he put took some there, but so Brad's playthrough and realized that it took him 45 minutes to get as far as he had in three hours. (laughs) And then he finally finished it up with, um, okay, I got home and connected my controller. I managed to finish the game. It was a learning experience. I'm glad I tried it out. Thanks for recommendation. So I I think he was a little bit, um, you know, like middle middle of the road in terms of enjoying it. But I think part of that was just because he's not good at platforms. So maybe just get good at Gato Roboto. And yeah. did you enjoy it on a keyboard for like the first <laughs> half of it? That... So it was like, come on, man. Yeah. Why would you play that on the keyboard? I uh, just was... maybe he didn't have access to it. Maybe he yeah, was he's always tra- he's always traveling. On... Yeah. Yeah, yeah but it's great. It's great on the deck. Yeah, <laughs> that's where I played it. I'm sure you played it too, Brad. Uh, yeah, I did. I definitely didn't even think about playing this with anything but a controller. I, I played it on yep. just the PC, but yeah, I mean that's one of those. I, I honestly used. Uh, the d-pad a lot i mean it felt like a d-pad game to me like i didn't want you know because you really can only point in four directions there's no like diagonal shooting or anything like that so it's a kind of a uh, solid d-pad game hunter or zach because i know i don't think brad uh, we already talked about it noticed but the game was actually running at like 40 or 35 frames a second intentionally it's like part of the vibe that they're going for they wanted to feel and play a certain way and yeah. the music was incredible like yeah. not, not not like amazing like you know wasn't uh, great was so well I, I i really caught myself bobbing or dancing yeah. a little bit here and there and it was just a good mix of songs that sound like they'd be of the era but i'm sure there's some more modern techniques in there um it was yeah I'm, I'm really thankful for the recommendation and i actually beat it this morning because yeah. i kept on I played like two hours and another hour and a half, and I was like, I'll get to it, I'll get to it. And it's like, here, it's Saturday. It's like the only time I have is right now <laughs> to beat it. I yeah. stopped short of two uh, of the cassettes, or actually, I needed one more cassette, which is the palette, and two more of the health chunks. And I almost got 100%, I got 88. Mm. But uh, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I think I, I think I ended up at like 78 or something. Um, it, it really did. Yeah. I had good music. It, 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 the, I, I don't think that I really realize how much i was going to enjoy the palette swapping i don't want to like keep yeah. harping on that or going but the thing is like for somebody who's been i mean they were going for a retro appeal obviously and um somebody who's been through so many of these things it was like at one point i'm like i feel like i'm playing like one of those like tiger handheld games and then another point yeah. like, i feel like i'm playing on my parents like you know old school like dos computer where you had to like put in like you know 
like dir backslash like find your game and then like it was playing in like that crazy bright green and then like it shows another... that when you get in the robot it says yeah. like loading steam right robot exactly. at the top it also said 42069 which i thought was very mature <laughs> um, yeah yeah 100 <laughs> percent. how did i miss uh, that it was like yeah, a code that was at the beginning. right it? at the beginning it was like a like some kind of like landing code or something you got that was like landing 420, code 42069 i was like okay kids <laughs> um but i really did i appreciated like how much it brought back like some of those screens I was like oh this is the game boy screen this is you know um uh, like i said like dos this is the, the virtual boy and uh just kept going through those to the point where it's like man i really have looked at a lot of different weird color palettes in my life that just instantly come flooding back into my brain playing this game the gameplay of it was perfect too. I mean, like it just worked. Like you love when a game, like when you when you get a platformer that that works correctly, you know, like like anytime you made a mistake, like when you were like, well, that was on me, right? Like the game didn't like have any like control issues, like it controlled how it was supposed to. And That's tight. It was very tight when controls. Would, oh, to add to that, the controls, like it worked really well for what they were going for. And it also brought me back to the Nintendo era where when I was a cat, super vulnerable, and I had to like, you know, wiggle my way back without my mech. I was like a kid moving with the jump. Yeah, I had a couple moments today where I was like, man, that's a flashback. I haven't needed to do that in a long time, but it just put me in that, <laughs> that mindset of like, thing. yeah, <laughs> this is fun nostalgia, Good, great homage. Fun boss fights. Like, yeah, there weren't a ton in there, but when you had boss fights, like they were, and then I, I didn't personally find any of them like super challenging, but yeah. like they, you know, they hit all like the fun, like boss fight spots where it's like now is the time when the boss is gonna try and stomp on you and you gotta like dash underneath it, and like, like now's the time where you gotta like figure out the one spot on the screen where the bombs aren't gonna explode. Like, it had all the fun yeah. kind of, it hit the, the, yeah. And um, the fact that it was the like underwater literally... one with the like the crazy like fucking mm -hmm. Doctor Octopus arms and like the yeah the, the uh, little like the little glowy things that explode before like yeah. like eight directions like that I found that to be the toughest boss I think oh that's funny for me it was the one that where uh, you're using the artillery. Oh, on yeah. Side, yeah, and it kicks you out. You have to be the cat, and yeah. you know, go the opposite run, way or with the laser. Circles, I did right? have to yeah. figure that out. I had out. to redo that one two or three times. That was the same for me. I was like, "What am I supposed to do here?" And I was like, "Oh, that's why yeah. they give you the the, the catwalk up there." This is probably a good time to jump in with Randall Reborn, who also played along with us. He had some some things to say about um, the mouse fights, um, I think, in his. So he played along with us. Thank you for playing with us, uh, Randall. Uh, he said a couple of things about an hour in. Gameplay is a lot of fun. He said, loving the concept of sci-fi cat and mouse. Some of the screen transitions are very annoying if you don't jump the right way. It did have that thing like where it's like, oh, I'm yeah. jumping. And all of a sudden it's like, no, I'm moving back. And it was like it would reset all the enemies. Uh, anyway, if you don't jump the right way. But so far, the only real thing holding me back is that I am terrible at Metroidvanias. <laughs> so we got another person who needs to get good at Gato Roboto. Apparently, my sense of direction sucks and my memory of where things are is short. The dialogue is silly and fun. It says I am two hours in, but again, I am bad at these, so it takes me longer. Speaking of the dialogue, I wanted to point out that it had a very, like, you know, earlier 
um, a few months ago we played the game Norco for Indies Nuts, and it had a little bit of like the the Norco like dialogue going on, where like the people would talk and they'd be like, <laughs> I was like almost like they're talking. It's like I can almost hear words coming out, but they're not really words. And um, I thought that was, I mean, it, like it never got like, annoying or anything, but it was just kind of funny that they, they did that same kind of dialogue where like, I mean, they could just have you reading words, but instead they, and like the people sounded a little bit different. Uh, I liked it. I liked the, I liked the dialogue sound effects. They, they always yep. like, kind of made me smile. Very cool. The whole soundscape is good. I love uh, the sound of the mech walking. That like clap, 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 yeah. clap. When it jumps and lands, like it sounds weighty. Like it sounds like it's you know heavy. Yeah. Yeah. And like yeah. I was saying, some of the background music, like it's not over the top at all, but it like just fits it really well. Like, it did. Vibe. Well, and yep. it's fun because you're a cat. You know, I was thinking about this game, and um, there's another game coming out. Somewhat soon that we played it past called um, Biomorph. Oh, it has yeah. you like like that's like a cat Metroidvania <laughs> kind of game. Yeah. And I was that's like, familiar. I had this thought, and I was like, I want to get out of, ahead of this in case I'm the first person to coin this phrase. But I want to call them Petroidvanias. Uh, that's fantastic. <laughs> right? Actually. Isn't that good? I was like, this is a Petroidvania where it's like you're playing as a, a pet. And then that made me think like, oh, I want a sequel to this one called like, you know, like. Dalgo Robago or something where like you play as Barkley like trying to rescue Kiki <laughs> so you get so you get dog powers instead of cat powers whatever those are but more games where you get to play as the dog that's cool we get a yeah. lot of cat games lately it's like oh you get to play as the cat and like Stray and then and, and this one and Biomorph but like when you get to play as the dog you don't get to be the dog enough I'm a dog person Tokyo so Jungle like, Tokyo Jungle a little yeah, Pomeranian that's right. what I saw when I the same place. Tokyo yeah. Jungle is 100% the, for the better dog playthrough games. But you yeah. can play as a cat in that too, so you can play as a lot of things in that game. Interesting. Since we're, we are spoiling... Uh, yeah. We, we, we didn't rescue our our captain, right? His body was no, left he's behind. Done. His, got, he his, he, he no, got taken you, over by the rat, and we yeah, killed and yeah. Barkley shoot his face off. But yeah. the rat... The rat did go up somewhere, right? So at the very end, that little wink was that the our, our captain, the rat, winking at us. Yeah, did you I mean, notice that. I guess yeah. Did the he captain could released? have been in the rat's body. Yeah, because right. the, the rat didn't destroy its old body; it just went up into the chamber. You so traded, that guy's like you traded consciousness between. Yeah. Gary was the rat at the end. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Gary's dead. Right. So uh, did anyone reload their save? No. You have an option to. No one reloaded their safety. I didn't want to pay the fifteen dollars for the Gato Roboto DLC <laughs> or you the can, uh, new you game plus. You your save, and it has just like it's basically just the three of you hanging out in like a spaceship. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> like nothing else to do. Like the cat's so, just sitting there, and like, dude, uh, Barkley's so, just sitting there. One thing that that probably didn't happen to anybody else, but I guess is kind of interesting is. Um, at one point, Brad asked me after I beat it, because I beat this pretty quickly after our last episode. Um, he was like, so how, what was your time? How fast did you get? And I was like, I don't know. I forgot to check on this. I was like, go check your save file. 
I went back and realized I had never saved uh, the entire time I played the game, so I can't do that. How do you know? No, no, when you when you get a robot, it automatically saves. When you yeah, save, there is no save file. There is not a save file. I don't know. I checked it, and it's not there. Hmm. Hmm, maybe a cat erased it. Do you have you have a cat, right? I didn't hit the eject button. That's the yeah. problem. Uh-huh. Well, <laughs> um, try blowing in your computer. <laughs> personally, I think definitely worth a play. Um, I think we've we've kind of we've kind of gone into most of what this this game is. Anybody else have anything else in particular you want to add about Gato Roboto before we all kind of give it a little score here and and move the podcast along? Um, thanks, thanks to Swank. Doink, do- no, soft doink, 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 doink soft, uh, do- doink soft, soft doink, <laughs> soft doink. Everyone's favorite, soft doink. That's Courtney's favorite. Yeah. She loves it. I think it's a great homage game. I think everyone should give it a shot. Um, and it's short enough to where I think anyone can probably beat it, like maybe a sitting if you power through it. And yeah, yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. What do you want to, since you're kind of breaking it down, do you want to lead us off with what you would score? We usually score things out of 10. You know, decimals are allowed if you want. Um, Like what you would I give guess, it. I think I'd give it like a eight and a half. All right. Yeah, like, that's good. Good music. There was a couple times where I felt it was like, I kind of wanted to get past a little faster. The elevator rides, you have to sit through the whole little elevator ride. I would have liked to maybe be able to teleport to past save areas because when I knew I had it, like I didn't get 100% because I just didn't want to go through some of the levels backwards when I was so close to the end to get and, and unlock certain things. Yeah. And I don't know if it was super clear to me until Brad mentioned it that, that the amount of capes you have uh, get turned into the frog character for upgrades. Yeah. yeah, I I don't know if he mentioned something outright or if it's maybe a vague statement that I just was like too busy, you know, skipping through. Well, I mean, if you run um, into the frog, he makes it pretty clear. You know, the frog is like, bring me cassette. The first time you talk to the frog, um, yeah, then I might have just skipped skipped past it. Yeah, he told you, he'll trade you you seven cassettes for an upgrade. There's uh, 14 in the game, so there's two total upgrades, just the rapid fire blaster and the uh, little double jump off the uh, 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 dash. One of the, the, and I'm going to get to that because I didn't get all 14, but um, I feel like in order to have gotten all 14, like you're going to be pretty much at the end of the game, you know, because you can't really get to them. So like adding a power up, right, basically right at the end, um, I would have I would have liked to have like had that be more like okay five and ten you can collect fourteen, but making it all fourteen seemed like maybe the wrong choice, you know, because like there's upgrades like the upgrade for the cannon like it doesn't really add a ton, you know, you get a little bit more range. It looks cool. But, um, you know, like it says, rapid fire, you just hold the button, goes a little further. I didn't even get the double jump because I was like, I'm not going to go find all these things. Although I wish I found great. That's kind of made me sad. But um, I think, like, completionist is like I'm getting 14. But, like, upgrade should have been a little bit shorter on that. All right, so eight and a half from Sal. Um, Zach, you want to go next? What do, you, what do you think? What are you giving this? So listen here right now. 
I don't think right, this was a masterpiece. Oh, I don't think this is quite a masterpiece. All right, Brad, what do you but, got? Uh, <laughs> but I did have quite a lot of fun with it. Um, I'm, I'm putting Brad. this at a, a 7.5. Um, I don't think this is something that I will like revisit a lot. I think I had a lot of fun with it for what it was. It was a, uh, I was a, whilst playing it kind of at a busy time for me. I did not have much time for a game so it ended up being a good spot for me to just be able to throw in a couple hours on something and play it and get it out of the way and it was fun and it helped to get my mind off stuff but yeah. um it's just it's, it's a seven and a half for me all right we'll, we'll save the final um rating for brad i'll give mine uh, i also had my mind kind of set on the seven seven five uh there is really almost nothing wrong with this game like you've heard us describe it. it it is a metroid like a metroidvania cat game like you know you find your way around like building a map together you get power-ups you fight bosses you know what the bosses are like um but like it it's fun like it it really is just a fun uh like kind of retro game that uh has good music good controls fun upgrades um short and sweet uh i the only thing i would i guess if i wanted anything else out of it you guys know i like to get my ass kicked sometimes by games and i never really felt very challenged by this game you know like i died very few times and the, the times that i did die was just because i was in cat form and you know the some of the enemies don't really stand out from the background you know they look like walls or something you know some of those plants and things i would just bump into and be like oh i didn't even realize that was there um, but in terms of actual like challenge, like I, you know, I kind of breeze through a lot of the, the enemies, boss fights, that kind of thing. So I would have liked to like have like a really good hard like end boss or something just to cap it all off. But even that didn't feel all that challenge because you're in the mech, you have like 15 yeah. life. So I, it challenged me a little bit more, um, but really great fun little game. Uh, felt really fun to play. Good music. I like the cat. There was some funny stuff in it. Seven five. All right, Brian. Cool. Yeah. yeah, I've been I've been lying with you guys. I think this game um, provided you enjoy Metroidvania games. I think this game could sit anywhere between like a seven and a half and an eight for most people. Uh, I'm I'm with Sal. I'll nick it up to an eight and a half personally because I just uh, this game is uh, something I'll just play like if I'm bored. I, I I boot this game up all the time. I have for four years now. Uh, yeah so, yeah it's like a go-to for me so yeah eight and a half for me uh just solid as hell like you know i love the throwback you know the graphic style appeals to me the sounds and everything it's just a really great little game i'm really thankful you guys played it with me. it was Thank fun you. it was a really good choice I, I would definitely recommend it all right well, we're going to call that it for Gato Roboto, uh, Indies Nuts. Uh, we're going to talk about what we're going to play in February. Um, it's actually my turn to pick. Uh, I'm like the last pick, so now we're back around to our eighth episode, so I'm picking this one. I think a lot of people expected me to go with Turnip Boy, Rob's a Bank, because I had picked Turnip oh, Boy um in my last pick but i kind of wanted to switch it up a little bit i do want to play turnip boy by the way that I, I love that game and uh i'm sure turnip boy robs the bank is fun but i'm gonna go in a different direction and i picked jusan um which is made by dotnon i actually didn't write that down i think that's who makes it uh so dotnon studios 
makes you son. I saw some previews for this game. I know extremely little about it. And I also want to keep it that way. Like, I don't really want to go into this game knowing much. It just looks good. Like, it's like a, it's like you're climbing up a big kind of like magical, like mountain where like, like there's like all this kind of like crazy stuff happening. And, uh, and it seems like it has like an interesting kind of story, almost like some kind of journey vibes with like some cool imagery. And I have no idea. I don't think it's very long, maybe like six or seven hours. Um, I think it is actually on Game Pass right now too, which is always appealing to me with these things because you know if we're going to be playing indie games every month, like I don't want to be spending a ton of money every time we have to play a new game. So the fact it's on Game Pass makes it more accessible to people who want to come and join along with us. So if you haven't played that one yet, um, I know it's a little bit more of a popular one. It, it reviewed really well. So Juson, we're gonna we're gonna pick that one up for next month and um, somewhere between. 150 hour infinite wealth and persona 3 reload and final fantasy rebirth i don't that actually doesn't come out before our next one so uh, yeah it's not gonna come out it's like the end of February. anyway um hopefully y'all find some time to squeeze in some juissant <laughs> um so that is going to be uh the conclusion of indies nuts and thank you to the people who play with us and now it's time for hype off. Yeah, hyped. We never get that right. Wes gives us we a hard do. time. We didn't even prep Salem. What we were supposed he, to do he that because we don't yeah, know. Like no, we don't know. Wes gets on yeah. our case because we don't really know what Wes to do. We always do something different, and he's like, "You guys really know what we're supposed to do there?" I'm like, no, but you know, we always do something different every time. He has yeah. great expectations for us there. You're about to get joke cut off here. Um, all right, so hype off uh, for anybody new watching. Uh, this is a segment where we kind of look into the crystal ball. We look at the re uh, release calendar um for next month's games and that we're excited about we're hyped about uh to some degree and we kind of discuss why we're excited for them and then at the end we kind of make a little game out of it where we um we we guess what their um open critic scores are going to be and see how close we can get to those predictions when they actually get scored the next month and uh, and then we also take the the ones that we picked from last month and determine who won um, from from that hype off and whoever wins hype off gets uh, rewarded with the final word on our podcast and the loser has to uh, say something ridiculous that the winner decides. Uh, Zach he forced me to finish Final Fantasy VII remake, which I had done, which I I actually did follow up on. So there's some there's some real things that can happen with this. Um, so uh, without further ado, let's go over the games that we are picking for February. So let's see who wants to start us off. From, we have the pleasure too, because Sal is going to take part in this. You know, normally we have the four games, but we're going to have we're going to have at least four um, for this one. But Sal is going to be picking one. Uh, so why don't you start us off, Sal? What do you what do you bring into the hype off for February? So there was a couple options. I think honorable mention for me was a. Uh, the Dark Forces game that Night Dive Studios can do. They're their Doom clone, basically, that 
led to the Jedi, like, what is it, Jedi Outcast games and Jedi Academy. But in uh, classic, classic Helldivers 1 fashion, I saw that Zach was choosing Helldivers 2, uh, and so I team killed him and took, the, <laughs> took his armament from him. Um, I am beyond excited for Helldivers 2. It's uh, for those that haven't played, the first one is a kind of like an isometric over the top, up to four players, just chaotic good time. It can definitely slip into the realm of uh, I'm gonna hate my friends and probably ruin this friendship. You know, you can definitely, like, be very mad, but once you kind of, like, reach this point where you know you're going to die, and you know that maybe half the time this is going to be due to friendly fire, you'll just let go of that, like, rage and just start laughing at how absurd the game is. And there's infinite respawns, and it had, I hope they carry this over, the way you spawn and summon vehicles and use your artillery or whatever, you basically hold down a code button it shows a list of everything that you need to press in the right order and any speed but the right order and it would summon a drop pod an ammo pod a mech so at begin at the beginning it's super chaotic and yeah you're gonna fumble and maybe die on the harder as uh, difficulties get harder but by the end of the game everyone has the muscle memory everyone's just ready to oh i sorry I, I dropped you you didn't crouch or i didn't you know let you know that i was gonna shoot a rocket over your head uh, I'll respond to you real quick, boom, boom, boom. And it's like, what, four directions for some of the easier commands to maybe eight to 12. I forgot exactly how it worked. But Helldivers 2, I am beyond stoked. I'm not going to pre-order it because I don't pre-order uh, because I'm that I'm the one person <laughs> mm-hmm. that's making a stand. You take I, I saw it stand. coming with the horse armor. Oh. I saw it coming with the horse armor. You guys got us here. All right. <laughs> and now we have $15 new game pluses. But um, uh, I love yeah. the, 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 the style that they went for. They used Verhoeven's take on Starship Troopers. Yeah. That like, you know, very propagandized yeah. style of military. I love it. Makes it makes it about you. That humor. Oh, it's your ego, and it's like, you're going to do your part. And yeah, they make- had that in a preview yeah. where they're like, I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. Like, they're just, like, <laughs> direct, yeah. they're just lying to you to send you into the meat grinder, oh, and it's, it's so good. beautiful. And I-, I remember the game having fun customization. You, mm. As you scroll ahead on the skill bar, you're like, oh, shoot, there's a, a flamethrower or whatever. And <laughs> that just... <laughs> That's Sal, just we're the, playing, I'm not going to trust you with a damn flamethrower. Yeah, you're not, you and flamethrowers are, are friendly fire. Like <laughs> I've gotten better in my games with my flamethrowers, I swear. Yeah. But I'm so excited, and I don't know the name uh, for the type of weapons that require two people's input, but they have it in Helldivers 2, so it'll be like, like a rocket launcher that both guys have to carry, and they have to coordinate, and... That you know that's gonna that's lead amazing. to the confusion. That's like the tandem bike in trials, right? Like when you have to yeah. when you have to ride yeah. like two people on a bike at the same time. Yeah. It's gonna be it's gonna lead to a clown show and I cannot wait to play it with you guys. I think it's cross play. I don't know am I talking oh, too much it is cro- No no no, you're, you're perfect. Right okay. Dude, I we gush yeah. here. This is gush gush time. And no, yeah, I mean, because Helldivers, yeah. I think, is pretty widely regarded as one of the best co-op games. The fact that this crossplay is yeah. so crucial. Um, all the people that you want to play with can get involved. And this is probably a good time to also just drop again that 
if you're just listening to this and not part of the ggd discord like come join us like we co-op the crap out of games like fortnite your thing people fortnite like crazy yeah. like we play like aliens fire team together you know this is kind of in that same vein we played starship troopers um like yeah there's like a whole community of people if you're looking for people to like play these kind of games with uh you know despite the fact that sal's gonna kill the shit out of you with a flamethrower it's fine like it's <laughs> funny now. it's I'm funny he's already I've it's learned. Funny. he's already it already sounds like he's apologizing for killing us before the game's <laughs> even out yet but you, um, you know how embarrassed i am like on the damage counter for aliens fire team elite it'd be like as if i killed them 10 times over with how much health i'd take damage it was really <laughs> bad I, I admit and i am so sorry yeah. uh for all god it looks like such a super good time all right so now to the uh, now down to brass tax here. Which what are you giving this score? Because your score is going to matter for Wes, by the way, probably. I was going to give it a nine D nine, and I saw Wes. Th- uh, so a ninety. So th- Open th- Critic is out of a hundred. So am I allowed to agree with him and have the same yeah. score, or do I have to oh, do yeah. like a price? Oh, the only two, you know what? The only you two people it, who can't agree are me and Hunter. You know what? You so, give it your okay. own score, and if you win, we'll invite you back on to give the final <laughs> word next episode. How about that? I sincerely was going to give it a nine. I looked nine, at the Metacritic nine, for this. Held so ninety one was like around an eight okay. or 80, 81. Yeah. And I think now that it, like enough people play the past one, they'll maybe be less harsh because it does have a learning curve. 90 is I have some a good amazing score. memories with playing the game with my friends, and I can't wait to play it again. For open critic, 90 is a very good score because you always get like those critic burglars who like come in and like just tank <laughs> a game, and like one outlier like moves the needle yeah. a ton. So at night, you're going with a 90. All right, we got a 90 on the board. It's not. We can't use Metacritic. The problem with Metacritic is that Metacritic ranks games different depending on the console, whereas OpenCritic consolidates all into like basically one score. So like we would have to say like okay, Hell Divers, but specifically on the PlayStation because they have different scores. So we use OpenCritic. They give it an eighty-two for the first one, and that's like this is our take on kind of a fantasy critic thing, which usually uses OpenCritic. So. A 90 for Sal. Zach, what do you got? What are you giving Helldivers? You got anything to add? Excited for that game? I'm extremely excited for this game. You played Helldivers, uh, didn't you? Like a bunch. Oh, 100%. I, when I was, it first one came out while I was in college, and uh, one of my buddies was like, hey, this game just came out on Gamepad or on uh, PlayStation Plus. Go grab it. I'm going to play this. You jump on. Let's go play it. We killed each other uh, so many times. But yeah, as I said, you just have a blast with it no matter what you're doing. Killing each other um, can be fun. Oh, it's it. We did it on purpose. <laughs> you killed me <laughs> in Hidden Deep, and it was one of the purpose. funniest things I've ever seen. Like, I was like yeah. climbing up a rope. It took me like 30 minutes to climb this rope, and then Zach just shot me right when I was at the top of this rope, and I fell like 100 <laughs> feet and splatted on the like friendly fire can be fun. Yeah. But uh, I, I'm really excited for this. I'm thinking. Um, it's probably I'm going to go with an 87. Um, I think Fuck. that it's not going to hit 90. Yeah, you always I, do this. Yeah, I know. Um, uh, but it's going to be, I think it's going to be really good. Um, I'm a little bit interested with them moving to a like uh, 3D person. style. Yeah, like over the, the shoulder, down. like third person shooting. Yeah, instead of the top down. Because I think the top down was part of what made the first one so like chaotic and fun. the controls. Yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if that's going to make some um, leeway or have a little bit of effect on it. But I think overall this game is going to be 
amazing. It's going to be a ton of fun. They put a ton. It looks like they put a ton of work into it. Yeah, it looks good. It looks really good. 87. Okay. I'm going to have to change my score. Brad, what do you got? All right. So for me, um, you know, I don't have any experience with this franchise just based on kind of Googling around. Uh, This game looks like a ton of fun uh, for the record. Uh, I number I have down is an 88. And uh, I also have Wes's score here. All right. What's Wes giving it? He gave it a 90, 90. 90. I mean, that was Salar on the same wavelength there. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, man. Y'all are very optimistic for these scores. I mean, I, I think it's going to be good, too. I mean, I had – so for those who don't know, everybody in this podcast is allowed to give a game the same score except for Zach and I. We have this brotherly pact where we can't give it the same score because that just wouldn't be brotherly. So no. I'm going to move mine. Like I'm going to like reverse prices right and put it in an 86, yeah. and uh, just go with that. that. I I do think it's probably going to be higher than that because they just Hell Divers was excellent, and I think they actually going to have more people engaged with it because they made the change to the like third person kind of like regular shooter where they actually put all the other mechanics into it that like are, are, you know, are already solid in the skill trees and the builds and things like that. And the friendly fire is going to be fun and the enemies are going to be great. And the starship troopers humor is going to be great. Like this, this feels kind of close to a can't miss, but I'll just do 86 for the fact I got to move it in one direction and everybody's above (laughs) me. So 86, 86 for me. All right, let's go to, Get this one out of the way because we all know what he's going to pick. Brad, what are you bringing and why is it Persona 3 uh, Reload? Because <laughs> Persona 3 Reload is going to be amazing. Personally, <laughs> uh, <laughs> first, first I absolutely love the, uh, you know, the, the game. Like, you know, I've played it a hundred times. I love the shit out of Persona games. Uh, it's got my favorite story out of the three most popular Persona games. And uh, it's going to be given kind of a facelift and uh, quality of life upgrade a la P5. Yeah. Um, this game will uh, consume my life starting next week. Um, yeah. Did you check it, the clock? <laughs> I'm going to guess it's going to come in at an 88. And uh, Wes, Wes one up to me to an 89. All right. Let's have you go next on this, so you can price. Yeah, it right that's, me probably, that's probably that's probably right. Um, <laughs> God, I think you guys are. I think you guys are under. I think you really are. I mean, now that's coming from the person who is, um, uh, like, um, the not subject. What's I'm sorry. I'm like, I'm the literal worst at hype off. So whenever I say like I think you're wrong, it probably means you're right. Um, but, uh, we played this game at PAX. Um, so we kind of know a little bit what this looks and feels like to play. It's persona. It's kind of like its own cultural thing at this point where like they can't make a bad game. If they did, like it would, it would like change entire, like the entire culture of certain parts of the world. And (laughs) so, um, I think given the fact that like they know that they've got a winner with the story and the style of this game, this is this to me is like 
like a can't miss in the way that like Spider-Man was. Like Persona 5 was like a 94 on Open Critic. Uh Persona 4 was I think a 90. I don't I can't imagine this being below either of those. I'm going to I went with a 92 cuz I just am like I mean right. what's what's going to be wrong with it? What what could possibly be wrong with this game? It's going to have personas. It's going to have collecting, it's going to have fusing, it's going to look better, it's going to be a story people love. It's going to be a story some people haven't experienced but will for the first time and be like stylized to like the There's insane be a degree. Lot of that. 92. A lot of if that. it scores right. lower than a 90, I'd be very surprised personally. So I'm going to get 92. All right, Zach, did you have a 92? Uh, no, I did not have an ID. Uh, okay. Um, I am actually going higher than Brad too, uh, though, because I, I think that this is going to hit somewhere in the middle of Persona 4 Golden and Persona 5 Royal. Because you, you brought that up. Uh, Golden's at an 88. Royal is at a 94 um, on Open Critic. And I think this is going to come somewhere. Well, you said 92. I was thinking it's going to be probably around a 90. Um, it'll be interesting to see. I don't know what's going on as much story, but it'll be interesting to see if see some of the story elements don't hit as well um, in the modern era because this is an older game at this point. So it'll be interesting to see if that kind of happens um, with the game, and maybe that's one reason it gets brought in slightly. I still think this game's going to be a top-tier game that's coming out this year. Um, I can't play it because I'm going to be on vacation, but as soon as I get back, uh, Helldivers and this are on my list to start playing immediately. Cool. So. Hell yeah. Wait. So 90. 90. Okay. Yeah. All right. Sal, do you have a score for this one? Yeah, I, uh, I'm just barely getting into the Persona world. I, I'm i actually playing SMT, Shin Megami Tensei on the DS. All right. Uh, Strange Journey and a couple other games. Mm -hmm. I do like me, my monster uh, capture games. And I didn't know anything. Uh, I'm really enjoying Persona, by the way. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, Sometimes Sal is, he shows up for our Persona streams. And honestly, yeah. it should be changed to like, you know, most of the time, Sal. Because he's there most of the time. This, this last week. Um, I was really surprised when the trailer dropped because I didn't know how they got to the Persona world. And every Persona has got a different way to get. Yeah. And when I saw the kids pull out their Persona yeah. handguns, literally shooting them. <laughs> I was like, I actually like leaned back. I was like, "Whoa, this is That's coming crazy. out!" It's very dark like, again. Yeah, but um, <laughs> me not knowing, my gut instinct was eighty-five. Uh, I just don't know too much what makes a good Persona game. What people forgive, what they're like fine with. Yeah. I know it's like an older, it's based off an older PS2 game, right? And I figure they are going to do some modernizations and whatnot, but I just don't know for certain. So I'm going to be the low baller on this one. All right. Um, and I think it's going to hit 85, but I, I wish you the best. I hope it's it's 100. Right. <laughs> for 85 for Sal. Okay, so we got all those in. And did you give Wes a score? I'm sorry. Yeah, Wes uh, threw up an 89. That's right. You did say Wes's score. So we, all our scores are in for Persona, right? I'm not missing anybody. Wes would have nope. this down packed, but I do not. All right. We're moving on. Moving on. We have done We have done Brad. So what do we got? We got Zach. We're going to do you next, Zach. What do you, you bring in that's apparently you traded off Helldivers 2? What was better in your mind to bring that you're more hyped for than Helldivers 2? A game that we had not even heard of until we went to PAX. No, I had heard and of it. And I had never heard of this game before I went to PAX. Okay. And it... Well, what is the I game? I got lucky. <laughs> I, I'll get to that in a second. Right. I got lucky that uh, 
the day that I got there with Brian and we immediately were going around getting all the persona like stuff from for the uh, Tactica game. We stumbled over into the Indies area and they had seats open for this game. This is Pacific Drive. And I was mad at myself was I first saw picked up Helldivers and I was mad at myself because I did not see that this was on the list. So I did kind of a last second change over to it. This game is going to, I think, be a breath of fresh air and a ton of fun. So what you do in it is you have a car kind of that's kind of your lifeline, sort of uh, similar to like Days Gone, where you're trying to like soup up your car and get it to drive around and get through some uh, fairly weird paranormal events that keep happening as you're trying to like survive and escape. Um, it gives the feeling of stuff like uh, what's the not ice herd truckers. That's the name of the show. Snow runner. Um, snow runner. So it gives like some snow runner vibes as well as like, like snow runner ghostbusters. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. I remember I sat down and I played it for a while and I didn't get very far. And then I like stepped aside and watched someone else play it. And they like got out of their car and had forgotten to put it in park. That was me. And then they went. No, I happened to someone else too. Oh, okay. I think it happened to a couple of people that I saw this. But, but um, they they forgot to put it in park, and they're just they're on a plane. You think you had it like on a hill, and it rolled away from you? I they got out. It yeah, in, it rolled back. To they, the hill. They, they, they they forgot to put it in park, but they were on a flat road. They went to go investigate something, turned around, and there was like a spaceship just grabbing their car and dragging it away yeah, from them. They had to sprint off to get it. The developers of this game were also just really fun to talk to. They're super excited about this coming out. They had, um, they were really interacting with everyone there. This, this was one of the highlights for me from PAX. I think that this game is going to be amazing. Um, I think that a lot of people are going to love it. Um, I, I think because it is an indie game, there's probably going to be a little bit of jank still to fix. Yeah, Essentially, probably. it's pretty, it's pretty ambitious. Um, but I, I think that we are going to see um, a pretty good score for this one. So I was going to hit this one at an 84. All right. All right. Um, Brad, what are your thoughts on Pacific Drive? Um, I had a decent time planned it. I wasn't thoroughly, you know, I didn't have my socks knocked off by this one. That packs. Uh, Wes and I stood in line for a while to play this one. Um, I got a I've got an eighty two for myself, and Wes sent me a score of an eighty five for Pacific Drive. All right, cool. Sal, what do you add to this one? You got any thoughts on Pacific Drive in this game? Uh, I thought it looked cool. I thought we saw it in one of the GGD. Uh, you know, there's like a game award show or something that maybe gave off the trailer, but I thought I saw it with some of you guys. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not super crazy about crafting in some games because I'm tired of chopping down. Like, I don't want to chop down yeah. my millionth tree. I do feel like this game's doing it differently, and I love the spoopy vibes. Yeah, it's the, very the weird. Like, yeah, I, 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 I'm gonna give it an 87. I think, All right. like, that's what I feel it's gonna get. I, I am worried. That it's going to pull a like we happy few where people kind of think it's way different than what the product is going to be on release. Um, you know where you overhype yourself, come up with all the possibilities, and then reality it's just like oh it's a the robot. Yeah. Oh whoops. But uh, yeah, I'm. I, I look good. good. Score. I love the, the art style. I'm. I'm thinking they eighty seven. All right. Um, I think 
I play this at PAX. Uh, I love the fact that this is one of the least hand-holding games. I like games that don't hold your hand. Like, I like that that you've gotten so accustomed when you, like, get in a car in a game, you just press gas and it goes. No, this game isn't that. You got to, like, pull the handle open. You got to get in there. You got to actually put the keys in the ignition. You got to put the car into drive, and then you hit the gas. Like, there's a certain level of just, this is, like, this is, we're making this like feel like you and specifically this car almost have a relationship. Like I feel like for people who like this kind of game, like that stupid piece of shit, like 1980s wood paneled, like soccer mom station wagon is going to be like what Trico was in the last guardian of people. Like they were going to, this is going to be their baby. Like you're going to take this garbage car, which by the way, when you start driving it, like we'll just it just sucks to drive because there's nothing to you find it in like a garage and you have to like put things on it. And the demo we play gave us stuff, but my understanding is that you basically are gonna start off with just this thing just barely functions. And then you spend a whole bunch of this game essentially just trying to get this car to be good and you learn to love it. Like if you like these kind of games, if you like the kind of survivor game, and there there is gonna be a certain um uh level of like probably grindiness to it in the survival game, like survival horror game. And you're going to have to collect a bunch of stuff. And, but like the stuff you collect is cool. It's like, Oh my God, I have floodlights. Boom. My car has floodlights. And all of a sudden you're like transitioning this, um, like clunker into like Ecto one, right? Like it's just crazy what this thing turns into. And the fact that it has this like kind of paranormal side to it and it felt really fun to play. looks great. It does have a bit of a snow runner thing to it. And uh, I know so I'm calling him out again, but I know Ryan Stubbs is very hyped in this game. Skill Up did a whole preview on it where he was like, this game is like got like a lot of appeal. You know, if you like this kind of game, I do think it's gonna not be for everybody. It's coming out um, at a great price, around 30 bucks. Yeah, also. I think it's a good price. I think I think it's gonna be fun. I'm gonna give it an 80. I think the 80 is just because I think it is gonna be one of those games that's not for everybody. They're just gonna be people who are just like, this was tedious to do this, and I think they're gonna score it low. Um, but for the people, like I think you're gonna see this game get like nines and tens and like sevens, right? So like I'm just kind of that one person that you right, and then somebody that's throwing like, a three. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna give it an eighty. I think I'm gonna love it. I cannot wait for this game. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it's gonna get some mixed reviews. Uh, did we get all the scores in on that one, Brad? Kind of kind of looking. Um. All right. So I think we only have the one more game to so, go. We, we have. I'm sorry. I'm just because I'm jotting them down uh, for next month. What was your score again? Mine? No, Zach. Zach. Oh, uh, 84. For Pacific Drive, 84. Okay, 84. All right. Sorry okay. So moving on to our final game, my game that I'm bringing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to bring Skull and Bones under the assumption that it's actually going to come out. You know? <laughs> um, this is Skull and Bones. I don't think People really need much of a description. This is a AAA Ubisoft game that has probably the second most checkered development history in terms of delays and just weird stuff happening. I would put it just behind Metroid Prime 4 in that category, which, by the way, I heard just reached its five-year anniversary since they 
gave it to another developer. So it's now five years past, like passing on to somebody else's game. Anyway, about Metro Prime 4, it's heartbreaking. But um, yeah, Skull and Bones, I, I think part of the reason I picked this game was because who the hell knows what this is going to be, right? Like, this, I, I think it's kind of funny to make those like picks that are like, these are like the separation score picks. Like, this could be like a 55 or like an 85. Like, who knows what this is? Ubisoft made, in my opinion, the best pirate experience video game ever in Black Flag. I love that game. I like the ship combat in that game. This one is kind of a more of like a pure ship combat game. Um, there is some solo stuff to it. They put some story into it, it seems. They've got sea creatures now is apparently a thing, which sounds pretty freaking awesome to me. Um, but I also think it's going to have some of that Ubisoft, like, go after, like, the big things. Like, you need these points, but, like, you can buy your way to the top. Like, it's going to have some of yeah, that. Yeah. I don't know, like, I don't know what it's going to be. It's kind of a mystery, but um, it's been delayed and delayed and delayed and delayed and delayed. But apparently, it's going to actually come out next month. So, uh, it's very pretty. It's a very pretty looking game. It's got pirates. It's got shanties. So, Skull and Bones. Who knows what this is going to be? Um, I'm going to give this game the very comedic 69. Just because shoulder shrug. Who knows? 69 seems fine to me. Whatever. It could be really good. It could be garbage. Uh, I hope it's really good. I like pirate games. There's not enough of them. Zach, what you got? What are you going to score Skull and Bones? Uh, I never played Black Flag, so I don't have much oh, reference for a Ubisoft pirate game. A good one. Um, I don't know. Pirates is like kind of one of those things that I feel like has been, it was done a lot for a while, and then now it's kind of like, a little on its way out. Um, only one I've been kind of interested in recently is that On Guard game, which is like a swashbuckler one. I, I don't know. I'm thinking like probably a 73. Mm. I don't know if I'm going to end up playing this game at all. So we'll see. I might not either, but uh, if it's good, I like I like the, I like pirate games, and I disagree. I think there aren't enough of them. So what are you going to score Skull and Bands? Um, I was surprised by how good uh, that uh, Avatar game looked. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't a tumultuous development. This one, on the other hand, I've been hearing about <laughs> for years. And what you said about the might be like a microtransaction to speed Could you be. ahead. Yeah, just because they're going to make the game just not fun enough that you want to skip past some tedium. Yeah. Um, I, I hope me scoring low doesn't make Wes have to do something. No, uh, it's I don't fine. Know how We're it not going to make Wes. We're going to hold you okay. to your own scores. Wes can have okay. his own punishment. <laughs> I didn't want to sound like a Debbie Downer, so I'm going to boost it from my initial, but I was going to say 55. I, w- I was going to go low with it. I was going to meet right at the middle, but... I think there's a certain you know, level I'm of... for the best. I feel like there's a certain level of people like already to hate on this game, like, you know, for the clicks. Like so, yeah, I'm I'm worried about that, but I I I mean I'm hoping to get pleasantly surprised and that that it kicks ass and it took this long yeah. to just state because you know, be fun. Stay with the fifty five. Fifty five. I'm gonna stick with the fifty five. I, I it's just too troubled. You're All locked right. in at a fifty five, my friend. All right, Brian. I, I love that. I love that song. Yeah, that's a that's <laughs> the, maybe the lowest prediction. We should have had you around when we were doing oh, the day before. I was gonna, 
I was gonna give that a one. I've been calling it out for since it was yeah. announced. I we, was watching your episode and I was like, how? How? Yeah, how? Sal's getting mad at us. We're sorry. We disappointed the Sal. Brad, what are you scoring? Hey, Doctor Disrespect liked it. <laughs> Jesus. Oh. Who gives a shit about that like weird that bathroom? The, the, weird the peeping Tom bathroom. The dude. fanatic people are like, people like uh whatever his actual name is, like really enjoyed our game, and all these naysayers made it so it didn't do well. They fucking just oh, sit there complaining. Yeah. yeah. All right. I, moving on. Skull and bones. Brad, score. Thoughts. All right. So Wes came in at a 69 on this one, just like you. <laughs> nice. We nice. both had the same idea. Nice. And uh, I'm, I'm just uh, two points up at a 71. I'm right between Wes and uh, Zach here. I'm the high, the high baller. 71. <laughs> yeah, you're the high baller. We do not have high expectations for this game whatsoever. No, um, I think it's I think it's probably not going to score well, but you know who knows? We could be pleasant surprise. All right. Well, unfortunately, we don't have Wes here to actually give us a game, but um, you know he's here with us. Wait, hold on. What is that? What's that? You, you hear that? Hello, GGD Guidance Crew. This is Wes. I, <coughs> oh, man, sorry about that. I had a tree frog stuck in my throat. Anyway, I just wanted to give you a quick call from an undisclosed location in South America to tell you my high boss pick for this month. This month, I'm going with Banisher's Ghost of New Eden. This is an action-adventure game from Don't Nod Entertainment. It gives me really heavy Witcher vibes. Um, you play as this exorcist who... Um, whose love was also an exorcist and apparently she died and became a ghost and you have to either decide to bring her back from the dead by sacrificing the lives of innocents uh, or you can choose to banish her yourself uh, using your exorcist powers. Anyway, um, it looks super cool. It's kind of like a like a double A uh, sort of game that uh, seems like kind of under the radar and it seems really cool there's there's a whole um pretty sweet upgrade tree that i saw uh, that i checked out online um it's got a lot of depth i think that is maybe going to surprise people when it comes out and uh it looks really awesome so i'm hoping it's going to be good i'm not sure but um i have hope anyway uh for my uh, pick for this month i'm going to go with an 82 on this one i think it's going to be uh probably good um, but I think it's probably going to be a little bit mixed. Don't Nod um, has done some really, really good work, but uh, they have kind of a mixed bag for a track record. This game looks really cool. It could be one of their best. I really hope it is. And uh, there's a lot coming out in February, but I think this is one to keep an eye on. Anyway, this is Ben West. Oh, wait, what is that? A high D? No! Whoa! Thank you, Wes. That was crazy. <laughs> Coming in on the codec from South America. Um, picking February's hype off. Yeah, yeah. So I, he, he had to make a statement there. Coming in with Banishers, Ghosts of New Eden from uh, Don't Not. Again, uh, that came up earlier. I think that I think they made Jassant. So uh, I don't think I know they made the Life is Strange games. Just get a little um, background on them. 
they have a few others. They made Vampire too, right? So, um, all right. Uh, so Wes gave us his score. Brad, what do you think? Uh, I'm uh, I'm coming in at a 77. 77. What did Wes give it again? What did he just say? 80, 82. 82. All right. Mm-hmm. Wes is um, probably our resident best hype offer, so that's probably a good place to start. All right. Sal, Banisher's Ghosts of New Eden, based on that description, what you know about it? Any guesses? I mean, that description's all I all I have. Uh, 84? All right. It's probably I'm not a bad guess. Right yeah, I mean it's it's a very good looking game. Um, they make some good ones. I mean, think I mean if you think life is strange and other things, good storytelling, branching paths. This is an action RPG. Um, you know, kind of a little bit different type of game than I think they typically make, but uh, it could be good. All right, Zach, what do you think? Yeah. Um, I had not heard of this before. Wes brought it up, and uh, it just had kind of fly under the radar for me. Um, having looked at some videos and stuff, it- looks good. It looks really pretty, and the the combat style kind of reminds me of the, some like the stuff I've seen of um, Hellblade a little bit, like or it just looks like a good, maybe potentially good combat. Um, I'm actually very interested in this game. I'm interested to see what happens when you make different choices to go down mm-hmm. those different paths to what you're gonna do. I, I'm bringing this in at an 87. Oh, I wow. think this could All be right. a good game. I think it's gonna be a good game. Uh, I was I was thinking. I was actually thinking since you made the reference to The Witcher 3, uh, that kind of resonated with me because a lot of people don't like the combat in that game but love the fact that there's such good story to it. The combat kind of looked a little eh, okay to me, like not anything crazy, not bad, not great. I think some people will maybe um, you know, mark, mark off a few points for like maybe not having super duper great combat but that's just based on me looking at videos of it i have no idea what i'm talking about what i do know that the studio does extremely well is branching past storytelling and there's no doubt life is strange is probably one of the best examples of doing good storytelling in games so i think people who like this studio we're going to play this game and have the combat with the storytelling in an awesome setting are going to really like it um I'm going to be wrong and say an 81. <laughs> Although West gave it an 82, so I felt kind of confident in my pick. Mm-hmm. Um, is that has everybody scored that one now at this point? Yep. Sorry, this, yep. I'm trying to keep track of all that. That one, that one may end up being more of a differentiator pick with some yep. of our uh, we've got friends some, there. We got Brad's some a little lower. Out. I'm a little higher, and I guess Rusty are kind of in the middle. Somehow or another, Brad and Wes will um, figure out how to tie. <laughs> They just, yeah. that's what they do. All right. Well, that's our picks for um, February. So now we're going to kind of like quickly get through. Uh, we're running pretty long in this episode, but it's been a good one. So we don't really give a shit. Uh, we are going to go through our picks winners uh, for last month for January. The games we picked, the scores they got. Uh, so we'll start off with Wes's pick for last month. Um which was he picked Prince of Persia. Um, I feel like we all played Prince of Persia at PAX. We had a very good idea of what this game was and what it was probably going to get. And for the most part, our guesses were pretty freaking spectacular, like all the way around. So um, the game when we locked down the scores was an edit 86. 
Uh, we kind of locked him down. I think it's at an 87 now, but it was at an 86 when we locked it. Uh, Wes gave it an 84. Brad and I uh, both gave it 85s. Uh, Zach was the closest on this one at an 87. We're not giving him credit for the fact it's an 87 now just because, you know, we locked it locked in. And, you know, we have to lock it at some point. It was fluctuating between an 86 and an 87 for weeks. But uh, for purposes of this game, it was an 86. So... Um, Zach was the closest, but I mean, that game looks awesome. I haven't gotten around to it, but, uh, Wes has told me it's, uh, yeah. he's had a ton of fun. It looks with it. really cool. Uh, really good switch yeah. game too. That's like one of those. You definitely, if you want to play like handheld, it's it like runs 60 frames per second, like on the switch, like it's a beautiful game. Um, moving on to Zach's pick, he picked, uh, Tekken eight. Um, that game's doing very well. Uh, we all kind of scored that pretty high too. Uh, Zach came in the farthest away at an 84. Wes had an 85. Brad had an 86. I picked an 88. Ended up at a 90. I think it's still at a 90. I mean, Tekken, I said, I think I said this Tekken, Mortal Kombat, Street Fighter. These are the kings of fighting games. Like this one, they obviously put a lot of love into. Um, I like the fact this game is doing well. Tekken is such a fun game to watch and, uh, you know, really happy for that one. So, that one came in at a 90. Um, then Brad came in last month with uh, Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth, which he's dipped his toe into a bit. You know, probably not taking into consideration the sh- uh, shoddy New Game Plus, uh, you know, Ooh. business tactics. But um, outside of that, also a game we doing very well. We didn't uh, know. I, I like stubbornly didn't want to rank this better than Yakuza 0, so I gave it an 84. Uh, Zach gave it an 88, Wes an 87, Brad hit it on the head with a 90. This game also at a 90. So we got two 90 games in our picks last time from last month. That's so good. All right. And then my insanely (laughs) stupid pick, um, wishful, my wishful, I think I said it was a wishful thingy pick. So I picked bullet storm VR. I'm, I'm feeling pretty deprived from like good VR experiences on my, Super fancy, fun PSVR 2 that doesn't have a lot to play for it. Although Resident Evil 4 is very good in VR. Um, I will give it uh, credit for that. But Bulletstorm VR was coming out. It looked like it might be a lot of fun. Um, we all kind of scored around the same thing together. Uh, Zach and Wes gave it 76. They were the closest. I gave it a 77. Brad a 78. That game was at a 56. I mean, apparently they're just like, don't play this game this way. You know, it's oh, just... it got pulled from the PlayStation Store. Did it? Oh, wow. oh I didn't even the know that. The developers didn't finish it, and they're not even <laughs> oh, sure no. if they're gonna. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's it's unfortunate because Bulletstorm, when you're in the up. mood for a, a shooter, it's so fun, but fu- dumb fun. It's I couldn't so get over until halfway through the game that you couldn't jump. I thought that was so dumb. Yeah. but it's not what the game is. It's about just like yeah. uh, burnout with guns. Yeah, it's, it's like just stacking scores. It's just, uh, yeah, it's just stupid, mindless, shooty, shooty, bang, bang fun. And I thought that would translate yeah. well to VR, and I had high ups for it, but apparently it just has not. So, it does not. anyway, wrapping up all of our scores together, um, Brad actually eked out a victory again, um, winning barely over Zach. I think had we'd locked in the score later, it might have been Zach. But again, we're no, we don't care about that. Zach lost. He well, he didn't lose. I mean, he he came in second place. I <laughs> lost. Win. So you're um, not first place. You're last. Yeah, Brad, 
Brad, Brad <laughs> won. Uh, we like to tie on this show. So um, Wes and I actually ended up tying for last. We weren't even really that far behind. We were only a few points behind them, too. So it was a really close competition this time. But um, Wes and I nevertheless did lose. And because Wes isn't here, Sal has to um, basically be Wes's whipping boy uh, in Wes's closet. So uh, we are going to call it. Normally, I'm the one who's like doing these tiebreakers. But because I'm involved in the, uh, the, the tying on this episode, Zach is going to do our hype off off. Uh, mm-hmm. which is going to involve him going and looking up a very random already released game on open critic that hopefully we don't have any knowledge of, and we can just guess a random score. Whoever is closest is the not loser. Um, okay. and won't have to suffer the, the punishment at the end. You got something for a sec? I do. I have three games here just in case. Uh, Brad, give me a number between one and three. Two, two. All right. You two need to give me a projected score for the game Cursed to Golf. Cursed came out in 2022. <laughs> Cursed to Golf. I normally, normally we would um, like write down our answers and just hold them up, you know, um, so that we're not like guessing and like based on what somebody else does. Um, yeah, let me do. have you go at the same time or. Yeah, you can write it. Just write it down I'm or gonna, something if you want. I'm going to write mine down. Um, okay. Oh, God, I wrote that so small. Why did I write that so small? I'm writing on a, I'm writing on a paper towel. Why am I writing on a paper towel? What the hell is wrong with me? It must be, two, <laughs> it must be like 2.30 in the morning. I'm gonna write it oh, it was this. one of the Epic games. I have it. Oh, you do have it? We yeah, can, it was have you ever played it? <laughs> or do you Not know yet. anything about it? No, right. not a thing. I, I heard good things. Do you have any inkling on what the score is? It doesn't matter. Uh, Listen, it doesn't matter. What, I'm going to show my score. Do you want to show yours? You got a score? Or you can just say yours and I can show mine. Right. That works. Uh, it's me, uh, 77. Oh, my God. Oh, we almost tied again. I gave it a 78. <laughs> Who wins? Uh, Sal wins because it is a 77. Really? Oh, wow, he torpedoed. <laughs> what, what, oh, what, 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 that's what? so painful. On open critic? Yeah. You, yeah. He, hits, like, he absolutely nailed that. And I came one away. This is the best I've ever done at this. And I still lost. <laughs> that's funny. I was so close world. to searching the open critic because I wasn't sure if I was supposed to guess on this. But I looked world. on Epic to see if I owned it. I'm never hosting Sorry, this Hunter. shit again. <laughs> All right. Well, I lose at hype off again. I seem to be making a habit of that. Um, Thanks so, for letting me win, guys. That was really sweet of you. So <laughs> Sal doesn't have to be Wes's whipping boy at all. I'm my own whipping boy. I whip myself. Um, <laughs> so with that, uh, Brad being our winner, he's going to get the final word. He's going to get to decide whatever he wants to make me do. Last time he made me read a story about a guy shitting himself in a Southern accent. <laughs> so who knows what it's going to be this time. Um, we will find out soon, but uh, we did it guys. I mean, with that, we finished the hype off. We, the show is coming to a close. We are probably about four hours in, which is um, kind of par for the course for us, but uh, maybe a little longer than normal. So I hope everybody's enjoyed it. I felt like it was a good discussion. Um, so just a couple of uh, things to to close the show with. I do want to thank Sal 
um, so much for standing in for us coming on the episode. It's uh, always a pleasure to hang out with you, talk to you. You're, uh, I love you guys. Thanks awesome, for inviting me. Awesome Thanks guy. West um, for letting me come and fill your closets. Yeah, yeah, you're <laughs> funny. You're nice to look at. We love you, dude. We're happy Aww. you're here. Um, <laughs> so don't forget. Um, next top ten is going to be top ten DLCs. We're going to be putting up a. Uh, uh, basically a, a post like calling for those probably in the very near future from when this drops. So be on the lookout for us starting the DLC nominations uh, for next month. Um, and uh, again, yeah, go join the uh, discord if you haven't already and, and take part in it. Jason's going to be our next Indies nuts that we're going right. to do. So again, I think that's on game pass. Go uh, download that game and uh, if you want to play along with us, it seems like it's going to be a really cool experience. I'm actually pretty, I've been meaning to play that one. I'm pretty excited for that. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a fun one. Kind of one of those kind of artsy, like fun, pretty games to play. Um, if you enjoy the show, you know, give us a thumbs up. Whenever we see those thumbs up, it makes us feel all warm and fuzzy inside. So if you want to make us feel warm and fuzzy, uh, thumbs us up and uh, if you listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify drop us a review uh, always appreciate it on there uh, again don't sleep on um, what's going on over on the main podcast they had a really good episode I encourage you to go uh, listen to that um, if you want to um, support the show monetarily we do have a Patreon uh, all the money that gets donated to the Patreon goes right back to the community uh, for giveaways, uh, like other things that we do for the community. So, um, you know, if you want to become a Patreon, just go uh, check out the GGD on there. Uh, uh, with that being said, we would like to thank our current Patreons, uh, Pucho, Dan Gieselin, Dakota Falk. Thank you so much for all your support. We really, really, really appreciate it. And we are looking forward to being back at this next month where we'll be talking about the best DLCs that are the old hunters from Bloodborne. Love you all. <laughs> Peace. Thanks, everybody. All right. Uh, so I lost hype off again. Here I am, uh, facing the punishment, the wrath of Brad, which, by the way, is like the least amount of wrath in the entire world. But he is, he has decided that in order to somehow still be nice and mean at the same time, he's making me say something that I genuinely believe Zach, like, is has as part of his personality that I lack <laughs> or am not. And this is an easy one for me. So um, Zach is genuinely, this is hard to say. Uh, he's genuinely is got a, he's a kinder, gentler person than I could ever hope to be. Uh, I am for all intents and purposes, a, an asshole. 
I have a very big heart, but I also can come across as a big asshole. And I don't think Zach could ever have that. So I think Zach's what I'm trying to say is I think Zach is nicer than me. And I think people know that Zach is nicer than me and probably want to be around that more. <sighs> Thanks, Brad. Thank you. All right, on to final word. <clears throat> mm-hmm. All right, final word, everyone, uh, to become kind of a guiding tradition where if you can't uh, think of something that, you know, happened on the show or something you wanted to, like, you know, set something straight on, I've, I got plenty of time to talk about my peripheral, so I'm going to default to the good old guiding uh, uh, thank you. Uh, thank you to all of you. Thank you for participating in this show. This show would literally be impossible without you. It's the way the show is structured. Uh, you know, relies on your participation in this. And uh, you guys always come through in spades. Uh, particularly special thanks this week to Bob. Uh, Bob Buell did a really touching and really super awesome and like well-produced segment for the Steel Battalion controller, something that none of us had experience with. Uh, you kind of came through and saved the day and went well above and beyond the effort, and we appreciate that. I also want to very much thank Sal. Sal is one of my absolute best friends in the world, and it was absolutely thrilling to have him here. Uh, I'm I'm thankful for the time. This is a long show. Uh, you know, we, we cover a lot of ground here for the month, and uh, Sal stuck it out. It was really entertaining, as always, and I just love him to death. Uh, we all do. And uh, Love you too, again, Brad. Yeah, Phil, thank you, man. And, uh, you know, not to just continue to run on and gush. Thank you to everyone who participates. Thank you to everyone who listens, whether or not you pipe up or not. It doesn't matter. If you're enjoying this show, uh, then we really appreciate you. Um, Thank you, and I hope you all have a good month. We'll see you next time.